seen you guys podcast in a while, so it was kind of great and being able to listen to through <laughs> a podcast is pretty fucking awesome. We'll yeah, have to talk about that. Um, but but uh, was it everything okay? Like you make everything? It was everything like you know you made it to every place okay? No no issues? No issues while you're there? No, yeah, we had a really good time. Uh, my company got sold while I was on vacation. So oh sh- shit. <laughs> What does that mean for you? Is is everything okay? Not yeah. They keep saying business as usual, and nothing like will change on our level. But you know, they always say that, so we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, keep me posted on that, sir. Like that—that's some important shit. Uh, so I always get worried about friends when companies get sold to yeah. another company. You know. I mean, worst so. case scenarios, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna start laying off people," but. That's been happening, so oh, uh, okay. just across in in my level, they don't really have to lay off people because turnover is so high because it can be so stressful mm. or like or just working the night shift. You know, your turnover is usually relatively high, so mm-hmm. that I'm uh, has not really been a factor for us, and I don't know that. Uh, we got bought out just so because uh, it, it was like an $800 million buyout. So I don't think they bought Damn. the company out to shutter it because that's uh-huh. a lot of money. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think I have any. I think the most I have to worry about is it's new bosses and they could easily come in and go, you know, we don't really want to do the work from home thing. So. Everybody needs to be back in the office ASAP. And I'm like, well, got to move back to Chattanooga. So uh, I feel like that's the worst possible thing that could happen for me. But mm-hmm. we'll see, you know. But I mean, um, as you, I, I mean, and you've definitely, pro- it seems like you've proved that you can work from home. Yeah, you know, I, like you. Most but, most of yeah. the long timers have, but mm-hmm. it, it Apparently the issue comes that they've run into because day shift is almost fully back in the office. I think they can work from home mm. one or two days a week now at most. Oh, um, shit. Uh-huh. But uh, the like I was saying, the turnover rate is so high and mm-hmm. they don't train people for shit. They basically uh. basic skills and be like, OK, well, go about it and ask your coworkers when you need help. Nobody working from home wants to ask for help. They, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of either don't do anything or do everything badly. So that that's where the we want people back in the office would really come into play. Like, no, nope, we're hiring. Uh, we can't keep them because we either have to fire them because they suck or they quit because they don't, you know, they're tired of yeah. not understanding the job. And so we need people in the office. So these newbies, you know, can get their, you know, their feet wet. And, la- and last, yeah, and last, it, it last a year instead of six months. Yeah. Which, you know, it's like, well, you know, well, maybe they'll get better training for people, <laughs> have them work, uh, have them work in, in-house and then let them go. Um, that's usually, that's how we do it. Yeah. Is it would be, it would be we, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we train them in-house. 
like they they have we have a small support staff that trains people in house, and then when it's time, you have your option to either work from home or work remotely. Yeah, or I'm sorry, work remotely or or work from the office. Um, they do give you benefits from working in the office, though. Um, they basically double your pay increase. But imagine this, like they gave that option, right? Like if you work, if you work in the office, a hundred percent, your whatever your cost of living increases is doubled. Do you know how many people signed up for that shit? Zero out of the art. Uh, six out of the uh, out of a staff of two hundred and fifty. Yeah, six. It's, especially where you're at, the commute becomes a big fucking mm-hmm. factor. I would imagine. Like, well, shit, even a, the commute in your, like, regardless, going 15 miles is a lot of money nowadays because yes. of gas. Like, like, I mean, it's doubly so in L.A., but, I mean, at the same time, like, it doesn't matter anywhere you go. Like, if you're, if you're doing a 30-mile round trip, that's basically a gallon. That's $5 a day, not including your lunch that you have to, like, you have to yep. make and make appropriate lunch. You know, yeah, and and the time. So if if you commute in heavy traffic, like even in Chattanooga, it could get pretty yeah. hectic. And going those fifteen miles from the office to the house or apartment or whatever, I mean, it could take you thirty mm-hmm. or forty five minutes. And exactly. so that's eating up almost two hours of your day. Okay, mm-hmm. that eats into all your free time, plus the money spent on fuel. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you don't have the time really to meal prep and all that stuff, well, yeah, like you said, you're eating out probably at least two meals a day, um, and you factor in gas, you factor in uh, fifteen, well, maybe more than that now because Jesus, food is even fast food is so fucking expensive. Expensive dollars yeah. a day, and you're spending twenty dollars a day just to get to and from work and feed yourself. That's, you know, if you work five days a week, it's a hundred fucking dollars a week just to work in the office. And it's like, yep, yeah, you're not going to give me a hundred dollar a week pay increase. Like, yeah, it's you know, plus the the idea that like, okay, well, I get. An hour lunch. Well, it doesn't fucking take me an hour to eat lunch. You know, generally I'm just eating a sandwich and chips. So I can go to the gym on my lunch break. Or I can clean my fucking house. Do the dishes. Like, do all of this shit on my lunch break. That I would have to come home and then go Mm -hmm. do. Once Mm -hmm. I got home an hour after I got off work. Because the commute sucks. Like, it just, you start, and I guess it's just shit you don't realize until you worked from home. And then home. Exactly. the idea of going back into the <laughs> office, you're like, oh, well, I can't do my laundry on my breaks. You know, I can't, like, mm-hmm. excuse mm-hmm. myself and change out my clothes and fold them, you know, while I'm talking on the phone to somebody. Or, yep. like, all of this shit that I've compounded, you know, which... The people you work for would be like, well, you're not supposed to be doing that on you. Like, but like, yeah, man, but it's not not taken away from my work. It's actually exactly. just making my life easier to manage. 
Exactly. No, no, 100%. I, I'm so there with you. Um, so, like, you know, I, you know, I don't, uh, I, I don't intend to not work from home anytime soon. So, like, you know, it's just like, it's one of those things where yeah. it's like, it's like a worst case scenario thing. But I mean, at the same time, that's a worst case scenario. Yeah. So, I mean, you still have a job, which is great. Um, and a job that pays you well. But well, at I the same time, having to move. Last year, when they were handing out pay raises, I told my boss, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, man, I know I wouldn't even get much of a raise anyway. I said, but I'm telling you, don't fucking give me a raise. Just let me yeah. keep doing my job and let me keep doing it from home. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, the cost of living has increased so fucking much. I was like, but I don't want it to be like, well, we pay you more than we pay anybody else. So if somebody's going to be in mm-hmm. the office, you need to be in the office. I was like, I don't need a pay raise, man. I don't have a wife and I don't have any kids. I don't have any responsibility really to anyone except for me. So what I need to do is work from home so that I can help out my family, not financially, just to be able to be there for them. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Absolutely. Um, So want to start this up? (laughs) Yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, it's definitely got to cut all this. Out. So I tell you what, before we start, I tell you what, I there were rumblings the day before. A friend of mine called me and was like, there were a bunch of people that I don't know, like because she was in the office, like roaming around, and I was like, oh fuck, like we have not been doing good at all financially, because huh? um, we're run by idiots. And she was like, yeah, somebody said that we we might be getting bought out. And I was like, oh, well, that's going to suck. And I I look on, uh, this is at like 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. I look on uh, uh, my little stock app. And I was like, fuck, man. I, I don't check our stock because it does so badly. It was a dollar fifty uh-huh. a share. I was like, damn. It's usually like two twenty fives. I was like, it's done falling down to a dollar fifty. I was like, <laughs> I was talking to her. I was like, man, I got $1,100 in savings. I could just buy eleven hundred dollars worth of this stock. Yeah. yeah, and I, like I was like, I don't know, man. Like, it's that is really, really cheap. But like, then if I have to turn around and fucking sell it because nothing happens, like uh, then I'm paying taxes on money that I, I was like, I talked myself out of it. Fucking eleven o'clock the next day, the sale is official, and in side of 30 fucking minutes the stock is seven dollars a share oh shit dude yeah i was like oh. fuck <laughs> i was like that would have been so i mean i still would have paid oh. shit ton of taxes when i sold it off but like that would have been so much money man even if i paid dude seriously on that shit, i would have made like three or four thousand dollars man for, for nothing oh, man for literally just buying something and waiting for 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Oh, uh, that's one of those I could kick myself. <laughs> you, you now know, once you find this out, um, you know to do this. Like, if something like this ever happens again, you know what you have yeah. to do. It's like, yeah. Uh, anyway, oh, man, yeah, we, could, we could get started. Um, all right. Um Recording.
Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And we're back, baby. We are back. We, we, well, first, I want to throw a shout out um, to your long-running, long-standing on hiatus podcast with our buddy that we just spoke about last week because you went to go see him. Spencer, there's a new episode of Boring Conversation Anyway, starring a very special guest. And, uh, um, I, like, can you just kind of shout it out for a little bit? Because it was a great episode. Like, I, I listened to it. Um, it was it was hilarious. It was heartwarming. And uh, it gives me hope for the future of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I went and visited Spencer and his family. Uh, and, uh, well... He understands that I'm not actually his uncle now. And <laughs> it was very confusing <laughs> for him. But my nephew, Ezra, um, he he made a lot of plans for my birthday because they had asked me what I wanted to do. And I was like, I, I don't know. I'm just coming to visit. Like, I'm not I don't expect to like, you know, I'm 44. I'm like, I don't need anything. And uh, I was like, we can just do whatever Ezra wants to do. So he planned out my birthday. And uh, one of those things was he wanted to podcast because he knew that I love to podcast. So he's like, I want to record a podcast with uh, dad and Uncle Logan. And uh, so it's pretty short. It's about 30 minutes long. Um, And I, I also discovered that we are now not the only podcast called Boring Conversation anyway. So if you're looking for it, you're probably your best bet is just to go to xwingfiles.com and find the episode there so that you're not like going through. I think there's four of them now to figure out which podcast oh, the episode is on. I was like, I had that name first guys. Like I, I know it's, it's not original because I stole it from Star Wars, but like, I had that name first. <laughs> um, yes, you but did. yeah, so we, we podcasted about just whatever Ezra wanted to talk about. There were some audio mm-hmm. issues because <clears throat> we had some computer problems. We didn't have a proper setup. But yeah, it was very all, not impromptu, but just like for uh, for the experience of it. Not really worried about being, um, not that I'm ever worried about being super professional. So um but yeah we had a good time uh talked about uh star wars and lego and mario and god he is so into mario (laughs) i i was genuinely surprised like when i listened to him i'm like this kid's gonna flip for um super mario brothers uh, the uh the illumination movie like i like i was like wow like like it's always shocking to me how much Nintendo now has a hold of kids and how quickly they do as much as as much as uh, Disney does, um, especially with gamer gamer like not even like I would say not even with gamer uh, gamer uh, uh, you know gamer dads or gamer moms like it's just in general it's something that they kind of like it's like by osmosis and here's the the craziest part I find and this is like a really weird way of of talking about how telling pop culture is is that Mario doesn't have a doesn't have a show he doesn't have anything other than YouTube clips of games being played and games themselves like I, like 
and he's still like as big as like when I talk to when I talk to like kids, he's just as big and important, if not more so than Mickey now. Like Mickey is not a figure that kids identify anymore. I mean, he's like he's kind of like Disney is Disney, right? But I mean, when we were kids, it used to be Mickey Mouse was Disney, right? Like that was the the iconoclast, the, the icon of Disney, right? Uh, like Nintendo, it's Mario. Even if you don't play Mario games, and there's hundreds of games that you play, literally, he's like the man, right? Like you know who Mario is. Like every kid knows who. Like that's the thing yeah. that shocks me is that like we live in a world now where, like you know, Iron Man, Spider Man, Mario. These are all like you know pillars or, or Mount Rushmores for kids that they instantly identify. Um, and the other thing that I loved was his love of Legos in all shapes and forms. Like like him just listing what he got from the Lego store was yeah. like just was like a like an entryway into like how much like and you you know him well like you know him you know much better than i do i only know him like you know peripherally right uh through what i find through katie and um spencer and you know we both know spencer is very kind of persona non grata when it comes to s- social media <laughs> yeah. um he very much so is guys like it like he he's very he's he's very kubrickian in in in, in regard to how he approaches social media um which is not a bad thing uh but i i found of interest was how it seemed like Legos were, were the thing that introduced him into certain other things. Like he, he was talking a lot about um, not Star Wars, but like it was surprised me that like like Lord of the Rings stuff was oh, yeah. mentioned. He, and it's he like got big into Lord of the Rings. And yeah, I do think Lego was like part of that. And uh, he and Spencer used to have a uh, they they flip flop uh, put it because I have two kids. One's uh very young so young they, yeah they flip-flopped the like bedtime routines but for a while mm-hmm. uh spencer would read to ezra um mm-hmm. when he was putting him to bed and uh it, they, they went through so many things but like lord of the rings was a really really big one um because of you know like you said like introducing it through other means you know, through the Lego yeah. stuff, like, oh, these Legos are cool. What is this about? Not like mm-hmm. forcing somebody to be like, hey, I want you to read this book, you know, and it, it becomes daunting. But like once the Lego stuff is there, like he becomes way more interested. Avatar was the same way. Like, uh, mm. yeah, okay. there, there are a few things he got into. Uh, I know that didn't have to do with like other outlying things. Like for a while, he was into Godzilla, and I, I mean, yes, the not not a yeah. Yeah, not a lot of Godzilla stuff out there. Although a Godzilla Lego would be fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> you but, know what? I guarantee you, if we like, I guarantee you, bro, if we find if we go to if we go on uh, to Lego Japan. There's oh yeah, probably yeah. something, <laughs> something like that. Uh, thank God for Google Translator because, like, you know, you could actually do that and, and actually find out. But 
no, no, no. You're totally right. Like I, I did see that. I did see that because they were they were going through that big Criterion uh, Godzilla box set, and then, yeah. um, so it, it's interesting, like to watch. Like my my favorite thing, even though I'm not a I'm not a parent, I never will be a parent. I'm, I'm, I'm just me and my wife just don't want kids. Uh, there's too many kids out there. <laughs> if we were ever compelled to do it, we would probably adopt. Um, because you know, there's far like like with. I know it sounds terrible, but with pets and children, there are two things in the world that I know is that there, there are far too many of them and there are far too many that are mistreated. So I would I would be much more conducive to be adopting, uh, adopting a kid or um, fostering kids more than I would ever actually having. And plus, I mean, my wife is my wife is in her mid to late 30s. I'm not going to put her through having a baby. Are you fucking kidding me? That's the worst thing you could possibly do to somebody. I'm sorry, but it it kind of is like you have to you have to truly want kids to actually have kids. I mean, you're not even okay, like here's the best part is that you're not you you probably you're like, eh, "I don't want to be a dad." But now you're you're a dad. Like literally, you know, Uncle Logan is you know, is a dad. I mean, you 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 take care of your your um you take care of your your brother's kids in a way that is like that more than more than an uncle you know and like it's like that weird nebulous zone so you understand like you know raising kids and it's a tough fucking job right but uh, it's like yeah, <laughs> spending the weekend with spencer and katie like uh ezra gets up sometimes at 5 30 but usually by six o'clock even on the weekends and it's go like he does not have a like there's not like I was up at six. Now, I didn't get up at six, but like he gets up at six. He usually watches like he knows he has to watch TV for about an hour before he can wake anybody else in the house up. Because like they're just like, we're not you, kid. <laughs> like we're up. Yeah. We have to be up later than you because we got to put you and your brother to bed. Then we get to eat, and then we get to go to bed. Um. So he gets up at six, and like I got up at like eight, I think eight or nine. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh. The Saturday of my birthday, and. By, I don't know, five o'clock, I was wiped out, man. Like, I was just like, I'm so tired. Like, I don't do like this. I mean, it wasn't like we like were out, like, really, like, we didn't, like, go to the park and, like, you know, run mm-hmm. around. But, like, just just the energy. And he just doesn't stop. But he doesn't go, he doesn't go to bed until, like, Eight eight thirty, so wow. like you know that whole thing. Plus, they're dealing with uh, a very young child on top of it, who's yeah. walking now and kind of talking, and <clears throat> you know, it, it, like all of that compounded. And I'm just like, I I get it, like from a, like, these are my kids and I love them standpoint, like, it's just, well, this is what I have to deal with. But watching people go through that who are a a decade younger than me, and I'm just like, I couldn't do this. (laughs) I just, I could not do this. I I I couldn't, I don't think I could have done it 10 years ago. 
<clears throat> and I know they, they say, well, it changes when it's your kid and you see things differently and you're able to prioritize. And, and it's just like, I don't know, man, they're, they're, I mean, not necessarily, there weren't moments where I was just like, oh, I, I was having a good time, but like there were these little pockets of moments where it's like, I just want to lay on the couch and watch TV <laughs> and, and, <laughs> They, this kid has no interest in watching the things that I would be watching right now. And, and rightfully yes. so. They're not very, <clears throat> he doesn't want to watch Ted Lasso, you know? <laughs> so yeah, um, he wants to watch, uh, which I will give him credit. The I did not think he was going to go for the Ninja Turtles thing. Like, uh, <clears throat> we, I, I told Spencer, I was like, I would like to watch a movie. Um, and a, a movie from like my childhood, uh, mainly so that, uh, you know, I can also write about it. So, and mm -hmm. it was like, well, you know, let's pick a movie. And, uh, I don't know how we settled on Ninja Turtles, but there's this pizza place out there called NYPD, New York pizza department. And it's uh -huh. my favorite pizza in Chattanooga. Um, although this time it wasn't that great. So I think the, they lost some steps in the pandemic, but I used to eat there all the freaking time. <clears throat> and uh, so uh, Spencer loves pizza. Oh, Spencer. Ezra loves pizza. It's his favorite food. And uh, uh, Spencer was like, well, why don't we get some NYPD? Like, you're never here. You never get to eat it. So I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And uh, Ka I think Katie said, well, why don't, y'all try to watch the Ninja Turtles. And mm -hmm. so I talked Ezra into it. Uh, well, I won't say talked him into it, but I was like, Ezra, how do you feel about we get NYPD? You just got back from New York. The Ninja Turtles movie, they live in New York and Turtles favorite food is pizza. And he was just like, okay. <laughs> so he sat there and he watched the whole movie and because uh, it, it helps that it's also not a really long movie. Um, like, he didn't make it all the way through Avatar. And I don't think he made it through Black Panther. Because um, <laughs> it's, it's two and a half hours, three hours. I and mean, you start to lose kids after 90 minutes, for sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> but holy shit, does that movie hold up, man? It really does. Like it's it's one of those movies that I really really um, it just it works, and I feel like it's also it, a part of that reason is because of, of the way it's um, the way it's shot. It's so darkly lit, but perfectly lit. Like it really does feel like it's weird because it's like this great middle ground between what Eastman and Lair did in the comics, and we kind of talked about that. <clears throat> this week just because of the fact that um there's rumors that the they're gonna make the um uh the last ronin uh the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh limited series into a game um into a video game which kind of made me a little excited because i'm like like and we have talked about like how there's no good ninja turtle games which is shocking since the arc before uh, the four-person arcader that came out right around the time that the movie did. Um, but it's a great movie, dude. Like, it's, like, it's stylistically that kind of middle ground between the series 
and Eastman and Laird, what they yeah. did, which was a lot darker. Um, and they kind of melded it together and kind of made this great, like this great serious take. Like they took the turtle seriously, which I feel like two and three didn't do. And that's why they kind of, it kind of, they kind of suffer. I mean, I love them. I mean, who doesn't love turtles going through time and essentially being the seven, the, the four samurais <laughs> yeah. in, in Japan in three. Um, and then two, I mean, <sighs> I mean, it has like, its moments. It it's has, more like the cartoon. It it definitely yes. has its moments, but it is far goofier than um so goofy. So I, I mean I, I was doing some digging on the movie and uh-huh. we got so much shit to talk about, <laughs> but I mm-hmm. I wanted specifically I was like, I I want to ask Adam about this on the podcast. And okay. it, it, it's not some brilliant revelation, but like, so the movie's directed by Steve Barron, who is yes. not a household director name, d- didn't even go on to really do much past this movie. Um, I mean, he's still working today. He directs some TV, um, but has not done a lot. This movie made a fucking lot of money. And yes, it did. Like he was not, he was not asked back. This didn't jumpstart like his career in directing films, but this is a guy that, I mean, he knew how to make a fucking movie. He was actually fired, uh, which is probably why it didn't jumpstart his career. He was fired during the editing process. So because the movie was so dark and I think that, once they realized they might have trouble marketing this or that they couldn't get the rating they wanted. And maybe he had final cut. I don't know. But anyway, my, my point is like this guy actually came from music video directing. Now, yeah, a lot of those guys did wind up making huge names for themselves. I mean, it, there's a, you could what like Guy Ritchie started in like videos and commercials. Yep. Um, uh, Fincher. Yeah, Fincher. Uh, um, um, <clears throat> I mean uh, the Daniels, the Daniels who just won yeah. an Academy Award, I mean, like won multiple Academy Awards. Yeah. So uh, there are people. There, there, there are definitely there are definitely people. It's less and less now. Like I feel like like uh, yeah. those are three good examples: Guy Ritchie, Dave Venture, Steve Barron. Steve Barron doesn't become either one of those guys, but they all had like a solid background in directing music videos. That doesn't happen anymore because like there are videos, but it's it's not MTV needing to fill up, you know, eighteen hours a day with music videos anymore. And yes, like, what have we lost because of this? Like, I, it just got me thinking, like, how many directors, like, their paths were either lengthened or they just said fuck it and quit because it's just not that much of a thing anymore. You know, music videos yeah. are niche now, they're not, you know, like, every fucking where and when we were in our teens it was 
just video, 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 video. And I mean, even in the like uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s, you had like programming blocks dedicated to music videos in mm-hmm. in on certain uh, networks. And that's like yep. early days of cable television or really kind of pre big time cable television. <clears throat> and that it just doesn't that's an outlet that doesn't exist anymore for directors. There are other outlets, you know, it is much easier to make your own movie with your fucking iPhone now. But like yeah. it also makes it a lot harder because it's so democratized, I guess. It's harder to get people yeah. to watch your shit, man. If it's not short form content on TikTok, like you're not gonna Which is three seconds. Seconds, yeah, <laughs> which is like literally three seconds, and it's all done for you, and they still and and they steal your data, like <clears throat> they steal your private information. Yeah, so you're very much so right. Like as much as it's democratized, what it's been doing is, um, it's it's not giving focus. Like you talk about, like I mean, I remember the I remember when when music videos became a big deal it was when mtv in all of their little like you know their little credits added who the director was directed by and all of a sudden all these i mean because by about i feel like fincher started it all like even though i know he didn't it was fincher with his madonna videos like all of these weird like these weirdly artistic stark videos that started that trend like i mean his his uh, like his direction of jamie's got a gun is like like you watch that and that is fucking style personified like uh michael bay there's another one um that meatloaf the meatloaf music video basically fucking made him um and I mean, you know, of course, there's commercials and stuff like, you know, they were all a part of a like they were all a part of the commercials and music video kind of thing. And talk about a flashback. Did you see that? Like, OK, so I'm totally against AI and this GPT chat bullshit and like the deep fake. But I will tell you, I was genuinely shocked when I saw that Yellow Jacket season two trailer thing. And you saw I saw fucking AI Kurt Loader on MTV yeah. news, I literally shit myself because it looked so damn real and talk about it like a flashback to like, like, you know, the era that we're talking about, um, uh, with music, the rise of the music video director, which like, if we really, like, if we really think about it, actually the first one was, was really Scott. Cause he was a commercial director that yeah. had directed, I mean, directed 300 commercials was 40 before he made his first movie. And then makes the duelist one of the most beautifully shot, um, uh, like movies of that era, and like kind of brought like Ridley brought in that style, and then it just kind of evolved from there. Um, it is kind of sad now that we won't get that, and my fear is is the whole thing of like, like, like the whole rise of TikTok and YouTubers has made me like realize that. Like, so that section of people that people are trying to engage with, thankfully, is all about acting and personalities, right? Because, I mean, there's nothing technical these fucking people do. Like, it's not like before where when you had a music video, you had to shoot it on 16 millimeter or 8 millimeter. You had to transfer it. You had to edit it. You had to sync the sound. 
You had to do all the things that were that are some of the harder things to do in filmmaking to make this like thirty uh, three minute thing, right? Um, I don't know. It's weird because it's like now it's like, are we gonna get TikTok directed people? But at the same time, we all we both know people like we both know people that are currently filmmakers or short filmmakers, short short filmmakers that are trying to push against that. And they have some of the most polished short films that you've ever yeah. seen or even movies. I mean, you know, and they're telling story. Like the nice thing is, is that there's this indie groundswell of micro filmmaking that's based off of like what they, what they used to call regional filmmaking. And it's coming back. Like, you know, in your specific area, they're telling stories that they care about, but it all becomes about how do I see that? Where do I see these things? Um, it's all to say, Steve Barron, I mean, damn, I mean, he got his shot after music. Go ahead. Yeah, he uh, he did direct the Coneheads, which yes, might have been the thing that actually sunk his career, but like... Well, it was a combo of that and that new line Pinocchio with JTT and uh, and Martin Landau. I think between the both of them, because I'm fairly certain that Pinocchio like was like a big deal. Like it went from Warner Brothers where they spent a lot of money on it and then they just handed it over to New Line because, you know, whatever, because it what it didn't look it wasn't good. And then when it was released, I mean, they lost a lot of money. I think they lost like 30 to 40 million on that thing. Um, So, you know, two bad movies in a row. But then again, what the fuck are you doing making a Pinocchio movie with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Martin Landau? It it had to be because of his ability or willingness even to work with those type of special effects, which, uh, you know, a lot of filmmakers weren't doing at the time like not yeah if it was special effects heavy it had to be like big or you know it the, like little special effects things like like the turtles movie like the Coneheads, and like pinocchio mm-hmm. like we're seeing more as like oh this is like goofy kid stuff um like it, you know it none of it was taken real seriously but like pinocchio aside like the cone heads look really good, you know, and well, and that final, like that final scene between uh, Dan Aykroyd and the monster is pretty legit. Like yeah. I remember that as a kid. Like they had ILM effects. Um, I remember because like I remember watching some kind of like I think I I read it in Starlog or some shit like that uh, back in the day. Like when I used to really be into that stuff and really want to know, and there wasn't access to that stuff, but. Again, it didn't. It wasn't a hit, even though it's a fun movie. And I mean, Chris Farley is an all-timer good soundtrack, in, that, man. in that show. Good soundtrack. Yes, like one of those yes. good early '90s soundtracks would just like, which also speaks to like for all the bad MTV has done, but like somehow it they had not MTV specifically, but there was this ability to like load soundtracks up with bands that like you actually fucking knew (laughs) you know it's it's crazy man um but yeah it it sucks he has not had a bigger career this dude directed some of the greatest fucking videos of all time 
Like, yeah, Billy Jean. That's Steve Barron. Uh, Summer of yep. 69 and Run to You. Money for Nothing by the Dire Straits song. That's a, that, yep. that video at the time was like fucking like. Groundbreaking. Yeah. Nothing is like, holy shit, you know? Um, uh, oh, uh, Take On Me, the AHA mm-hmm. video. Like another groundbreaking video. Like that, that song probably doesn't get like the recognition it doesn't become a fucking hit literally their only hit without that video because everybody was like oh this video is crazy man you know mm-hmm. and uh uh africa uh the toto song. oh from uh toto song yeah um, i did not know that i i didn't i did not know that 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 he had directed jesus that's that alone is incredible. Like, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Like, that's, ooh, it's weird how that works, right? Like, how certain directors, like, <clears throat> um, I mean, and it probably goes to personality and some weird arbitrary bullshit that we don't know. But there's certain directors that you look at and you go, how the fuck do they? Ha- how the fuck do they have twenty movies in their career and all of them are shit? And then. You have somebody who has like two amazingly perfect films and that's all they've done. And I mean, you know, sometimes it's it's the director themselves. They don't want to seize control because, you know, um, when you get into these kinds of budgets, we've like, you know, we've seen it before. Producers, the, the, per- the people that make who have the money, the last thing they want to do, even though they, they say that they will because they want to work with like, you know, the geniuses. The last thing they want to do is give up control. They think that they can make the movie better, which, I mean, I'm not even going to fucking get, I'm not even going to get into that shit. But it's really sad that somebody who, like you said, had, like, has this movie. Like, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is, there's no other Ninja Turtles movie except for the 1990 movie that's, like, from beginning to end, great. Yeah. Like, it starts off great. And it ends great. Yeah. Like there's none, none of them. Not even the, Bay produced. Like I, I got these, to watch the first Bay produced one. What you think? It's okay. The, the second okay, one is man. much better, if only because okay. they introduced Casey Jones and it's um, Stephen Amell, and he's kills it in a movie. He deserved he deserved a better movie because he's really good. So. Ah. Uh, Okay, because, like, I stopped. Like, I was like, man, okay, so first off, these turtles are chonky. I'm not yeah. saying that that's a bad thing, but, man, are they chonky, dude. I'm like, I was like, I was having flashbacks of, like, me being that big, dude. I was like, whoa, those, these guys are chonky. Um, too much CGI, way too much CGI. Like, and it was too busy. Like, like the yeah. turtles themselves were even busy. Like, it, It's the I same problem we have like, with Transformers, right? Like... Dude, yes. you do not have to fucking go this hard. Like, we just need it to look like a turtle in a mask with some weapons. Like, they don't need all of these things all over them. And we need to see, the like... Jingle jangle. Yeah, it, it's so... I mean, what? Yeah. It, it, it's very wild. Like, the first thing I thought about was, like, I was like, okay, so they're ninjas, right? They're supposed to be... Like, the thing that the Baron movie does so well is in that first, like... 10 minutes 
like as they're as April is describing the crime, we see the Ninja Turtles in act, like we see the first action set piece, and we don't see them because they're yep. fucking ninjas. Yep. In this movie, in this Bay movie, I'm like, with all that jingle jangle on your ass, you ain't gonna be no fucking ninja. How can you be a ninja? You're yep. jingle jangling. Um, I haven't gotten to the second one, though I will get to it because Bebop and Rocksteady are in it. And that was the thing that I really like. I never understood why the second movie didn't have them, but had an analogous of those two. It was so Um, weird, right? Like Toka and Razor. Like, I'm like, okay, that's cool. But like you have two established monster characters that fucking kids would go ape shit for. And the second was, yep. what, like, 93 or something? Um, yeah. Like, the cartoon is... I mean, it was already pretty huge in 1990. Um, and so, why why do you introduce two new characters? Why don't you bring Bebop and Rox? Like, I don't know if it's more like we want... Like, well, we wanted them to be more, more Asian-centric, like the bad guys, which... You know, that's a whole problematic thing with the franchise anyway, yes. but like it's inherent to doing stories like that, unfortunately, like, you know, it it is. But I mean, think about it. They, they kind of solved that, even though they weren't they didn't solve it in the night movie, the, the 1990 movie as having street urchin kids, like having the whole like right. Dodger, like, you know, um, what's the. What's the fucking the Dickens story? Might have some more. Yeah, um, Oliver. Oliver, yeah. <laughs> um, Oliver Twist. <clears throat> um, and having all these kids, all these different kids, like start off on the low end and then eventually raise up to um, Foot Clan status, right? Because like that's what they wanted to do. So you have all these other teenagers, um becoming ninjas eventually becoming a part of the foot clan right that so that it wasn't so asian centric it was oh you know it was another kind of troubling it was a bunch of teenage kids but then again when you think about it like you know like i I also feel like the ninja turtles like the thing that they forget is they're teenagers what the fuck in this other the bay produced movie i'm like yeah fuckers 30 like, like, what's going on here? And then, don't even get me started on. I, I, I'm, I'm a very pro Megan Fox person, even though I don't want to know anything about her and Machine Gun Kelly. Fuck that. I don't need to know about her personal life. But as an actress, I feel that she's been done dirty, especially after, after something as great as um, <clears throat> what's the horror movie that she did? Jesus, uh, uh Jennifer, Jennifer's um, Body, Jennifer's Body, which is great, yeah. right? Holy, <laughs> holy underrated movie. Like it, it is. Yeah, there was such a backlash to her when right before that movie came out, and I, yeah. I did not understand it. Like, I, I mean, I still don't understand it, but I mean, yeah. that it happens with actresses all the fucking time. Um, it really it just, does. I mean, like look, the internet please. just goes fuck, fuck these pretty people. <laughs> so, it, yeah. I'm like, which why? Because they voiced why? an opinion about something. Like, exactly because she's not she's she's more than just her looks i mean come yeah. on like because she fucking went after fucking michael bay who deserves to be going gone after with his fucking like so like here's my thing is 
I know Bay has been a good boy recently, and I love his movies, but it's very troubling that your signature shot is a crotch shot of women's panties. Like, that's a problem. That is a problem. Like, even beforehand, that's kind of skeevy. Like, I mean, of course, every 20-year-old dude that watched, like, you know, uh, that watched Bad Boys 2, like, it was a part of the milieu of the dirtiness that is. I mean, because that movie, like, you couldn't make that movie today. Bad Boys 2 is a movie that is stuck in its own fucking place in 2004 or three, where you can pull a gun on a teenage kid and fucking harass him because he's going out with your fucking daughter, a 15 year old. Uh, Like, you know, which is, if you take it outside it, yes, of course, like in that era, it was funny. Now it's very troubling. And, but anywho, um, it's all to say like, like everything about that first Ninja Turtles movie, it was weird. It was entertaining in a way, but it was very kind of like, oh, where are they taking all of this shit from? Because this is really not Ninja Turtles. Like, I don't understand this. Um, so I'm hoping the second movie will be better because I know that Bebop and Rock City are in it and Krang is in it. Um, and you, like you said, Casey Jones is in it. And I mean, Stephen Amell. Like that dude, have you seen his wrestling show? No, I, I want to catch up with it and I just haven't. Oh, so. okay. When, when when you do, let me know and we'll have a whole conversation about because it, it's actually really good. Like, yeah. I was genuinely surprised how good it was or how good it is. And there's a second season coming. So, from what I understand, yeah. So, um, I, I think, yeah, I think they got waylaid with the, the pandemic, like, because it's such a you've got to be in close contact. So I think they just kept having to delay the second season. So, um, I, I follow him on social. So I, you're right. It is coming. I, you know, plus it's not on a network that anybody watches. So, (laughs) yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, speaking of things that are returning, um, have you heard the clone high? Yes. Have you heard about clone high yet? So, uh, they started talking about so I listened to um Fake Doctor's Real Friends. And oh, okay. uh Bill Lawrence is well, up until recently, was a pretty frequent guest on that, that show. And as, uh, okay. almost every time he would come on, he would make some kind of reference to Clone High. And inevitably there would be a three minute conversation of like that that shows like we got to bring it back. We got and th- this is going back. Like that show started right like in the middle of the pandemic. So we're yeah. talking three years ago. Like it would come up and then like eventually they stopped talking about it. Like and I'm uh, like uh, I bet something's going on with Clone High. And what not too long ago it was just like oh yeah yeah we're get, we're doing new episodes of Clone High. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited for it. So, which, if if anybody listens never seen it, it's on Paramount Plus. Go watch it, man. It's fucking funny. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it is. And please forgive it its quality because it was filmed, it was made in an era where it, HD wasn't created just as a yeah. or certain things weren't on HD. So it is SD quality. But <laughs> if you can get over that, holy shit. It is like to me, 
other than like other than Lord of Miller's, uh, like it's the best thing that Lord of Miller did, except for uh, Twenty Two Jump Street, which I feel is like a masterpiece of yeah. of like crazy bullshit cinema. Um, not the second one, but the first. Uh, or I'm sorry, not the first one, but the second. The second one. I want to be very clear about is, that because it takes on. Yeah, it's insane. Like I haven't watched that yeah, movie in a while, is. but oh my god, it's so nuts. And it has one of the funniest moments I've ever got to see in a movie theater. <laughs> Him skipping around the office, like it's just so fucking yes. funny. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm or, excited for a New yeah. Clone High, man. I really am too. Like I, I really feel like. Because they got the original cast back and they're also bringing on new people, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, can they bring it back and can it be good? And the answer is, I have a, I have an eighty percent, like you know, probability that it's going to be, it's going to be exactly what we want it to be, um, unlike some things that we've been getting recently. Just because you know the people that you, the people behind it are people that I trust, which yeah. I feel like more and more is something that I, I really kind of, I look at and I go, okay, so who are the creatives involved in this? And that ultimately leads me to thinking about the success or failure of it. Um, like something that I am not high on uh, talking about remakes is, have you heard this whole thing about Robert Downey Jr. wanting to remake Vertigo? Yeah, I mean, <sighs> okay. I mean, so I'm, I'm going to, say something controversial but i'm not really in the film uh critiquing community so much so my opinion mm -hmm. doesn't matter i think vertigo is a good movie i do not think vertigo is a great movie i understand <laughs> everybody that, but like i've watched it twice man and like yeah it was always up there on that that uh that list that they do what every few years yeah the sightings Sight yes Sight. And, it's every five years, I think it is. And I'm just like, I don't get it. Fucking Citizen Kane? Look, I get it, man. Like, once you know about Citizen Kane, not only is it just, like, a very well-made movie, but then when you get into the, like, specifics of how it was made and how it fucking created mm -hmm. new ways of making movies and, like, <laughs> I, I mean, not not to make light of it, but how it almost basically destroyed a dude's life because <laughs> he made a movie about a very rich and powerful man who was like, yeah, fuck you, <laughs> and then tried everything to destroy his life. Like, and just yep. the ambition of this kid, because he's a fucking kid when he's making that movie. Like, it is uh, insane. And you have to appreciate, like, holy shit. Like, it, this is, it's already a good movie, and you factor all that in. It's like, it's hard not to think of it as the greatest film of all time. I watch Vertigo, and I'm like, yes, yeah, an Alfred Hitchcock movie, man. Like, I don't really... <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know like like I like rope better than vertigo <laughs> like oh oh we got we got we got shots fired off the bow which uh, I mean you know what like okay so like here's the thing is for me it's like no just no like RDJ there's but so many there's so many don't other remake it <laughs> yeah just don't yeah just don't like like seriously like you want to play a, a detective in 19 like in 1950s san francisco 
then go ahead and do something else. Or here's a fucking here's a novel idea. Um, do try what Spielberg's doing. Right now. <laughs> or, or like, yeah, try something original. I mean, you haven't been in, in anything original since Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, shots fired again. Um, but here's the thing: is that maybe do what Spielberg's doing. Spielberg has desperately wanted to make a bullet movie, right? Because he loves Steve McQueen. Who doesn't love Steve McQueen? He wanted to make a he wanted to make some he wanted to make a bullet movie. So what did he do? He made a sequel. He's making a sequel to Bullet, but he's having it star Bradley Cooper, like which to me is like, okay, I can get behind that because it leaves the it, you're not remake you're not trying to remake Bullet the movie, you're doing a sequel to it, right? Like you're doing a spiritual sequel to it with the character, but in a different situation later after Bullet. I can get behind that. If you want to go ahead and make Vertigo 2, or you want to make a spiritual sequel to it, fine. But if you're fucking remaking it with a guy who, I mean, when he's making, when he's writing Peaky Blinders, it's great. But, you know, I'm not a fan, I'm like, you know, I'm not a fan of, of most of his work. Uh, other than the, other than like, you know, Peaky Blinders, like everything else, I'm just like, ah, I can kind of leave it. I just don't know, man. Like, it's just, it, it's like, like maybe RDJ should stay with that whole weird, like you've heard about that companies that he's like, yeah. like totally behind. Like, like we've seen all the ads, just stay there, bro. Just become real Tony Stark. Like I, that's what everybody wants. At, I don't know why but, he's on this, like remaking things kick. Like, you know, part, like kind of get like, we're going to do, I know he's not Perry Mason, but like he produces that. And yeah, like, he does. Uh, I get, we're going to do a modern Perry Mason and not have it be necessarily like that procedural, like the original was like just a, a kind of a bigger, more dramatic show. But like, yeah. Also, I don't know. You could just make another show. It's not like Perry Mason has huge name recognition. The kids aren't just like, ooh, there's new Perry Mason coming. You know, like, uh, you know, yeah. he's just, and like, like, he did it with Dr. Doolittle, which was like his first thing oh, post Iron Man, which is fucking terrible. Well, um, well, yeah, because, okay, so, like, okay, so Dr. Doolittle, can we just talk about the fact that that a major part of that plot is about is about a dragon's colon like that's some stupid shit literally um yeah no i i don't get it like i don't get it at all like why like why is he like is he so afraid of failure now after getting to those those high highs of of endgame Yeah, I mean, it has to be. It's something, you know. I guess technically yeah. you could say it started with Sherlock Holmes, but you can yeah. argue for a rebooted version of Sherlock Holmes. Not that rebooted version, because despite a good director and an excellent cast, I think those movies are a giant waste of fucking time. <laughs> um Give me oh, Benedict Cumberbatch any day Cumberbatch. of the week. <laughs> yes. Uh, give, give me cucumber, uh, cu uh, cucumber, cumberbun over him. Actually, I take that back because the guy who's writing the re Vertigo remake actually. Oh, no, no, no. He did not. I was going to say he wrote the Sherlock, but Sherlock is um, 
is Doctor Who. Um, uh, Stephen, the other Stephen. Moffat. Stephen Moffat. There we go. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Absolutely. I was going to say, that's just a baller move to get Stephen, but it's the wrong one. It's Stephen Knight. And not even Stephen D. Knight. <laughs> it's Stephen <laughs> of like the Peaky Blinders. Like so many damn Stevens in this fucking world. Um, uh, so just a change of pace because we're kind of going through the, the numbers. Um, and I can't, I can't not talk shit about this uh, because it's hilarious. So when is Zack Snyder just going to finish? I don't fucking know, man. Like, do you know how much the fucking tickets are costing for this fucking no. event? I, okay. I, <laughs> I just okay. Here's the thing. Like, it's a three night event, right? And it's taking place in different places. And it's the his three movies, right? But here's my favorite part of all three movies. Yes, of all three of them. So the Zack Snyder's Justice League is the four hour, four hour and fifteen minute version. So you know, buckle up, Buttercup. Um, But okay, so like, here's the thing about this: each of the each of the nights are hundred and fifty dollars a piece. So if you want to go to all three, it is for charity. Fifty dollars. Yes, which means you can write it off at the end of the year. But at the same time. $450. $450. Now, if I had $450 to spend, if anybody did, you're going to buy that compendium three-volume uh, uh, Sandman edition, not yeah. go see fucking bro, the ultimate bro, bro down on the bro down movies. Like, I... I, I so, okay. I can already <laughs> see the four-hour cut of... Justice League. I don't need to pay the money. I you know. I know there's like Q and A, and I think he even has teased possibly that some of the actors involved might be there. Um, yeah. That Justice League, like, dude, I can watch that at home, man. I'm not paying money to go see it. There is yep. no extended version of Batman v Superman that will make that movie not. <laughs> the best it could do is not just make it an shit. okay movie. <laughs> like it's not yeah. going to ever make it a good movie. I don't hate the man Never. of steel. I very much would like to see the director's cut of man of steel. So yeah, I might would be tempted to just be like, this is this the only chance I'm ever going to get to see this? Because I feel like there's a lot of stuff that, got cut out of that movie and i would like to see like what the original vision of that was maybe it makes it better maybe it makes it worse but it's already a movie that really there's only one thing where i'm like that's bullshit and that's uh uh kevin costner just that whole like you don't have to save everybody thing like that's the only thing i'm like that's bullshit but I would like to see what the director's cut of Man of Steel is. I don't know that I'd spend $150 to do it. Maybe if Henry Cavill was going to be there in like the 150 included like guaranteed like autograph and handshaking or picture with Henry Cavill, like maybe, yeah. but like still that's a little rough, but like in no fucking universe do I spend nearly $500 to sit and watch these movies <laughs> no no even with people coming up because it's like uh, 
Like, I really, like, this is all, okay, so, like, to me, this all feels, this all feels like, like, I hate James Gunn because he did exactly what I wanted to do, which is take over, take over the DC universe. Um, and to be perfectly honest, like, all, like, you know what, it, like, these are for people, and you know what? Like, here's the thing is that I don't mind, like, I, I'm, here's the thing is that I'm not a Zack Snyder hater. Like, I like Zack Snyder. Like, his Dawn of the Dead is probably one of the best remakes because it strips it down to just an action movie. But what he does in that action movie is so fucking awesome. I mean, you take Sarah Polly and you turn her into an action hero, like, Academy Award winning director Sarah Polly. Like who has become a, an Academy Award winning director? I mean, she wrote she she got her Oscar for writing. It doesn't fucking matter. The woman is a fucking beast of a creative now. Um, and he knew well enough to know that you know when I'm going to direct something, I want those kinds of actors. I want Jack Weber. I want Bing Rhames. I want Ty Burrell. I mean, he found Ty Burrell basically. Um, I don't think that without Dawn of the Dead, we don't get him in fam uh, in. Um, Modern Family, yeah, and you miss one of the great comedic performances, like of the last twenty years, um, because we all have known the Ty Burrell dude as a dad. Like we all know that dude. We've all seen that dude, um, and that's what's so great about that. But man, like I just like I really do hope this this Star Wars aborted now a Netflix movie that's a two part R rated fucking craziness thing that he's doing what is it called moon base or something like that i really hope that that catches on so he can just let go it's like bro it's over it's like the dude that that stays around his ex and goes to his ex's wedding in the hopes that she'll fucking oh i'm sorry zach you're right i should be with you and leaves and leaves his, or her much better non-abusive boyfriend uh, husband or soon to be husband at the altar like like it, it's really that bad it's like i'm like and his fan base like come on guys really it were three films marginally okay like i will give you this much his 4 hour version of justice league is definitely his version right it's his version but it's like when all it is is bodies in slow motion in comic book frames and the acting is shit. I'm sorry, bro, but no, it doesn't work. I'm sorry. It just doesn't like you, you fucking made a, you made a four hour perfume perfume commercial. Um, please move forward because I like you. I like the stuff you have done post this stuff, but at the same time, it's like, I'm, I don't know why you keep on going back to the well. Like you're, you're fighting a James Gunn or something. Um, I don't know, man. Um, speaking of fucking DC, did you, did you see the whole thing that's come out now about like the article that they wrote about the pebble uh, and, and the, like putting the failure of Shazam on yeah, him? Yeah. It's a little shitty. Like we've talked so much about the rock and his weirdness with dc and like like he's became like the acting version of Zack snyder and it's just like yeah dude (laughs) like i i like the rock i really do and 
Like, yeah. For the most part, he seems like a pretty decent dude. But, like, his ego got the better of him here. Um, and I, I don't... It feels weird to be like, well, Shazam is you know, facing the aftermath of, like, The Rock's ego. I'm like, is it? Because, like, honestly, dude, part part of the problem with Shazam, in my opinion, which I did, I did just go, I actually I finally got to see it yesterday. It's a good oh, okay. fucking movie. It's good. Oh, really? Okay. I really liked it. I think it's close maybe at least as good as the first one and i really like the first one i think financially the problem with shazam is that this movie was supposed to come out two years ago (laughs) like it was it, it it had its release date shuffled so fucking much that by the time it came out like we're talking about Shazam. We're not talking about Batman. You know, it's Shazam. Yeah. By the time it came out, I feel like most people that would have been like, oh, yeah, let's go see that new Shazam movie. were like, didn't that fucking come out like last year? Exactly. Exactly. You're right. You're right. It, it came from like then and gone, right? Like, or... <clears throat> They had forgotten about the first one, and so the second one is acting like we should mm-hmm. know about the first one. And they were like, who the fuck is Shazam? And why Why is this dude who I think might be the guy from Chuck is in this movie with, with Lucy Liu and other people like, like other – like Adam Brody? Is that Adam Brody? Um, it's a very weird kind of thing, right? Like You're right. It really did suffer from – like this one – I know it sounds bad, but it's almost like Shazam should have been on HBO Max. Yeah, like it, like it really should. Like, At this point, like I it, know it honestly should have. Like, and you know what? I'm fairly certain that it's going to be in about 30 days. Um, like, which I mean, okay, so like, I, I love how like everybody is climbing onto the oh superheroes are dead. Um, no. It's not. They're not dead. It's just that there has to be better movies. And I'm not saying better as in Shazam is a terrible movie or Ant- you didn't see it, right? Yeah, it's terrible. No, I have not seen it. I've not seen. It. Okay. But I mean, I saw Pe- the first one and I liked it. People might shoot me for this, but okay. I think that Shazam: Fury of the Gods mm-hmm. is better than every Marvel movie we've gotten since. The last Spider-Man movie. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now it doesn't uh, have the emotional impact sweet. that Wakanda Forever mm-hmm. has, but and, and it kind of botches the ending. But like, I mean, that's kind of par for the course lately with all superhero stuff. They just yeah, everything has to reset the status quo and also inform the new shit that may or may not actually come. But up until then, like li- up until literally the last four minutes of the movie, I I think it's fun. I fucking laughed a lot. There was at least two really emotional scenes. Um, mm-hmm. there there's a little bit of a hiccup. The kid that plays Billy Batson mm-hmm. is like super stoic, which is weird because when he's Shazam and it's Zachary Levi, he's like very 
much a kid and like gung ho and like guys let's uh, but then when he's actually a kid it's like he's trying to be an adult so it's a little like oh. weird but like the kids almost barely in this fucking movie um it's a yeah, lot more zachary it, levi <laughs> well i figured after the second the first one which so i really like the first one because the kids are good because yeah. the kids are so great um and because of the fact that the 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 Shazam family doesn't become the Shazam family until like very late in the movie. So we get to like work with these kids. So it's like this great kind of amalgamation of a, like a, like an emblem adventure. Like it was like if emblem produced a superhero movie in the 1980s, this is the movie that it would be directed by Joe Dante, right? Starring Dennis Quaid as the older version of himself or like older version. And then some kid like, you know, Sean Astin playing uh, Billy Batson, right? Like that's what you like. That's the feeling that you get from the first Shazam movie and which made it so nice. Um, my 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 worry was was that because of the fact that they have all of these these really 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 good actors who usually carry things on their own that that's where they would go with it is that the kids would get the short shift because also like you said it's been three years so like even reshoots kind of become troubling because kids grow up super fucking fast yeah which it means like the the box office failure of Shazam two probably means no Shazam three. So yeah. those it, it, it's those kids are old enough that you you need to move on that quick because they're about to age out of looking anything remotely like a kid, <clears throat> and it yeah. becomes stupid to have a twenty five year old dude being like Shazam and turning into somebody else. It's like the whole point is it's a, it's a big situation. You know, it's a kid that can turn into an adult, but he still acts like a kid. Like it, it, it becomes like, well, we shouldn't do this. We should just recast, which if they recast the kids, eh, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But uh, I, I, I don't like that. They're laying this, they're just looking for blame. Like, yep. if you're going to blame somebody, like, I understand you don't want to fight the studio, but really, you, somebody needs to step up and go, like, hey, you know what? This movie got delayed over and over again, but it had a solid release date last year. But because of Zaslav's yep. fucking puzzle box shuffling bullshit and not having a mo- the money to even release a movie into theaters, it got pushed. So, you know, people just, like, no, they didn't show up. They fucking thought it came out a year and a half ago. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is still a thing? I've been seeing the trailer for this for two years. (laughs) So, you know, it's, yeah, I I don't like the, well, we got to blame The Rock, you know. Mm -hmm. People did the same thing with Solo. And I'm just like. Yeah, the people yep. that watch Solo, for the most part, are go go. Oh, that was a pretty good movie. Like, not top tier Star Wars, but it's it's a good movie. 
and it gets it was a box office failure and it gets blamed like other people get blamed for that shit like the people involved in the movie and some of the people behind the scenes when like actually the reason solo failed had really mostly to do with the fact that you put it in theaters literally two months after the last star wars movie left theaters like yep. people are like we just fucking saw star wars <laughs> like so well, yeah, like you remember like yeah and, and like yeah yeah and, uh like they knew that they had to release this and he's gonna like you know zaz is gonna take another loss on this and you know of course i mean you know if you're gonna if you're gonna blame somebody blame your blame your your egomaniacal actor um you know like the guy who was trying to make a bid for like you know uh, shifting the hierarchy like now that all makes sense like to me it's so hilarious that like you know like these these pieces are coming out where people are starting to talk about like the inner workings of of like team rock and and what rock does and stuff but it makes complete sense why he says what he says because this is what he was expecting and so this whole thing becomes like this fucking weird kind of look into the egoness of a star who expects because after he's gotten paid like fifty million dollars from from Netflix and Netflix basically allows him and every women is whimsy uh, to go unchecked and not go hey you know what bro no you don't need you don't need that you don't need to go to fucking Morocco and spend eighty million dollars of a five hundred million dollar budget like let's go ahead and fucking reel this back in um, which is a problem but like I also find that. We know that, like, with anything, this is all political, right? So it kind of shifts. It's funny how this happens, and then The Rock, all of a sudden, like, the rumor gets leaked that The Rock is considering bringing Brendan Fraser into Jumanji 4 or Jumanji 3, depending on how you look at it, um, in a major role. Like, it's all about, like, getting back into the good graces because that's how quick this shit changes for you, right? Um, which I find hilarious that... Like, you know, rather than let, let's go ahead and get Brendan Fraser in The Mummy, another sequel, um, like Rock is coming in and going, no, I want him in Jumanji. And yeah. it's probably going to happen. I mean, let's be honest. Like, you know, um, he did like in which is kind of weird, like the whole weird goodwill, like, oh, he did me a solid on like, you know, like, you know, always being nice to me on The Mummy Returns, even though I'm the worst part of that movie. I'm going to do you a solid and give you a role um, in <laughs> basically the the like the the mummy remake like i basically stole the mummy idea except for like you know like indiana jones liked whatever yeah. so you know um it's, it's, yeah speaking of movies with uh, uh I, I don't know how to tie that into dungeons and dragons but um <laughs> didn't get to see it but you did Yes, I did. Um, it was an early screen, like early fucking screening. Early two weeks of Dungeons yeah, and Dragons. Yeah, two or three weeks. So, I mean, it was. I could. It was great. Like it really. Like it's. It gets the tone right. It gets the. It gets what Dungeons and Dragons is about. Like it doesn't make it so that it's impenetrable. Like okay, so like. They used the brand as a jumping off point to create their own thing. Like, 
John Francis Daly, who co-directed and co-wrote it, um, and he also co-wrote and co-directed Game Night, which, like, I mean, we've talked about. Like, I find it to be one of the funniest, sharpest, and stylish comedies in the last 20 years. Like, it just, it's so good in so many ways. Um, they take that smart, like, that smart and smart alecky, smart-ass kind of tone, and they put it into Dungeons and Dragons. So it's like I tried to explain it to my wife, which she loved the tone because it was always about a plan going awry or somebody doing something that you feel is out of character. But when you think about it in the human level of it, it makes absolute sense why you would do that. Um, I talked to her about chaos games in, in Dungeons and Dragons. If you've ever played with a bunch of people who didn't want to play and were a little drunk or inebriated in any way, shape, or form, as you get older in older teenage years, um, like the Dungeon Master has created this perfectly modulated story, and then y'all just decide to go chaotic on him and do stupid things with your turns. That's Dungeons and Dragons, like the movie. It and but it's that counter that the like if you've had a good DM, how they are able to shift it and go, oh, that's the game you want to play. I'm going to be three steps ahead of you then. And shifts it so that your stupidity becomes a part of the game. That's Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And I will tell you, it is some of the sharpest writing um, that some of these people, like, so it, it it's, they were doing, they did everything top to bottom right. They knew what they were doing when they cast Chris Pine because this is the best that Chris Pine has been since the first Star Trek movie. That's how good he is in this movie. They gave him something that he could actually latch onto and he latches onto it. Like he's it's the exact feeling I had when I saw the first Star Trek with him in it going, damn, this dude knows what he's doing. Like he's more Han Solo than he is. Kirk, <laughs> but he gets it, and you get a different version of Kirk, like a younger version of Kirk, the like you know wild, roguish kind of one, and that's what he that's what he does here. Like it's older, and it's a little bit more emotionally like like the whole plot revolves around him and his daughter. Um, but it's kind of great. Michelle uh, Michelle Rodriguez is given like you know. She's given that, the, like, she's given that part that she's always given, but she's actually given, like, dialogue. And she, like, she bounces off of Chris Pine so well. She, it's just she has genuine... been so underserved as an actress for so fucking oh, yeah. long. Like, just, oh, like, oh, she's, she's badass. She can do badass. Give her some badass lines. Make her look badass. Let her do badass things. Like. I, I know everybody loves the fast movies, and that's great. They're not really my bag. She is a person that I would show up for the fast movies for um, mm -hmm. because I love her so much. Like, literally, since Girl Fight, I've been like, I fucking love this chick. Um, and every time I've watched anything with her, like, the dialogue in those movies is just so fucking terrible. Like, she's just yes. underserved as an actress. Like, you know, uh, 
Lost was an easy gig for her to take because, like, hey, you want to come to Hawaii and shoot and live in paradise? And, you know, she got herself into some trouble. But, like, yeah, I don't know how many of us wouldn't. A lot of actors got themselves into some trouble while shooting Lost, you know? Like, we're on vacation and getting paid and you got to walk everywhere anyway or, you know. So, yeah, I'm fucking drunk all the time. Like, it is what it is. But, like... Yeah, there's so many. Avatar, like, of all the people, like, but, I mean, fuck, Cameron did it in the first, or in the second Aliens movie, you know, introduce a Latina character that's a badass that, like, you just ultimately underserve, which is not usually Cameron. He tends to at least give his female characters something worthwhile. But, uh, yeah, Michelle Rodriguez, man, like, just she she needs better things and to hear that like she gets to even though she is playing a badass character like it's not just her like barking at people or saying cliche dumb bullshit that makes me happy oh dude you're like if you're if you're if you're a michelle rodriguez stan this is like this is the best that she's this is the best role she's been given since girl fight like to be perfectly honest like she's she's got heart um she she like there's some emotional scenes that are like really kind of like her her and pine make a great combo um with the way like it is a very unexpected way of approaching um male female relationships in movies because they're not they're not lovers in any way shape or form um and but they're they're compatriots. They're more like Butch and Sundance. There's this level of respect. Like it really does feel like they're Butch and Sundance. And Michelle is Sundance and Chris Pine is Butch. Like I didn't make the connection until now because Chris Pine is all mouth. All he does. And it's great. Because, like, they give him, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Daly and Goldstein, the guys who uh, are the writer-directors, know how to write snappy dialogue. And they know how to write for Chris Pine. Because, you know, and it works. And But they give give Michelle Rodriguez just, like, just as much dialogue. And it's, like I said, like, it's, it's a lot better than I think that anybody is going to be expecting it to be like when like i expect this movie to open but then when people actually find out how fun and good it is they're going to tell their friends and then it's just going to remain up there it's going to be a surprise hit i think that that's why paramount was trying like is like had these early screenings is because they know that they can get the word out because it's a good again paramount fucking killing it with theatrical because they're making good movies they're letting their creatives make good movies and hugh grant at like hugh grant i mean like you guys you can already tell in the in the trailers villain oh my god like hugh hugh grant active and like and aware of what he's doing and going oh I get to play a villain and I get to like do all the things that I uh, like that I don't get to do normally. Hey, he's awake in a way that I, I haven't seen in a long time. Um, Justice Smith and Sophia Lillis, like as the younger cast members, like I've not liked anything that Justice Smith has been in. Until yeah. now. Like, like he has just been 
but he plays the same kind of nebbish, I don't have confidence role that he normally plays, but it's written much better. And then Sophia Lillis, I mean, you know, um, taking a role that probably was meant for Millie Bobby Brown, but Millie Bobby Brown didn't want to take it. Fine. I'll take Sophia Lillis over, <laughs> like, over I don't her any time. I have to do this all the fucking time. I don't want to do this. It's Millie Bobby Brown. Exactly. Like, I'm going to make one of these Enola Holmes movies again because I'm, I'm tired of the special effects shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Rachel Jean Page, who, like, all the ladies love in, um, in, um, in Bridgerton, in the first season of Bridgerton, I was shows about to up. Say, yeah, that's the Bridgerton, yeah. So. Yeah, he. But it, here's the thing, he shows up only like his his role amounts to a cameo, like it's a twenty minute section where he comes in. You know that this was like this role was designed for somebody to come in, somebody who maybe didn't have the time, but they were a star, and you wanted to like you know they came in, they did their thing. I will tell you this much: he does as like his character is so much like Drax you'll kind of end up going I want more of him but I also if they ever were to recast Drax and they did Rage Jean uh, Page it wouldn't be a bad thing because he's got that delivery like he's got that weird like drier than dry delivery yeah. and the un the 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 ability to step back and let everybody play off of that dry delivery um he's like actually in like one of the the funniest parts of the movie um i will say two words and that's all i'm going to say about this section fat dragon (laughs) and you guys can figure out what the fuck i'm i'm talking about but fat dragon um but it's like i said like i am super high on this film maybe you know it's a good movie when my wife comes out of it and says, that was really entertaining. That was really fun. Um, she doesn't normally go for the fantasy movies other than like, you know, the um, other than game of Thrones stuff. Like she's not very high on this kind of stuff. And she thought that she thought that there was so this like whole world that she would have to like be indoctrinated into. She thought it was going to be like another Marvel thing, which it's not. Um, it definitely, it's definitely an introduction. And it gives you these characters and this story more than anything else. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's a basically a team movie, but also a heist film. So, like, they put those kinds of two things together, but they set them into a fantasy thing. Which, I mean, that's fucking prime Dungeons & Dragons if you've played Dungeons & Dragons. So they have things like paladins, uh, sorcerers, druids. Like, they have all the things. Like, they have a... a they 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 have all of those things in it, but they don't make a big deal about it. They don't make it like here's a paladin. That's, addition, what, addition, that's what it needs to be, man. And, and approaching it from the heist angle, it's so much better than the like fucking traditional hero's journey shit that like Jesus. Yes. Man, we see that in every fucking fantasy style movie, like. We have Star Wars already. We have plenty of... We have all these Lord of the Rings movies. We we have all of these things. And anytime they try to make a fantasy movie, it's this, like, destined, chosen thing. Like, and you gotta go on a hero's journey. Like, it's just more interesting if you approach it from a sideways angle. And, like... It, 
I mean, not to, but to, like, that's why Pitch Black is a good movie. Well, I know we talked about this last week. Yes. That's why Pitch Black is a good movie, and Chronicles of Riddick is not a good movie. <laughs> like, because yes. it's way more interesting when you're like, oh, this is some fucked up shit, like, with all these disparate characters and like just weird situation and it's way less interesting it's just like oh he's destined to be whatever and it's like yeah that's not that's not interesting man um no absolutely and uh, so like i'm gonna tell you uh (laughs) there is a cameo in this movie that literally the entire time that this Academy Award winning person shows up in the way that they show up, I was literally laughing, like laughing so much that people didn't understand. I don't think that the people understood who it was because of what was happening. Don't search out casting or anything like that. And I hope that the TV ads don't ruin it because I know that recently. <laughs> yeah, fucking Shazam, man. Like, it's a bullshit cameo at the end of the movie anyway. And honestly, yeah. it, it kind of just shits on everything the movie tried to do. But, like, and not, it's worth it to see Gal Gadot in the Wonder Woman outfit. But, like, I was like, you put it in the fucking trailer? <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like there's, there's a, there's a cameo that is very deep and my God, like it had me laughing because there's a sincerity to it. And the re like the guy that they are well, I already, like a guy, it's guy, but, um, the guy that they got, holy shit. Like, I want to know so much about this. But I know that it's not going to happen until a couple of weeks after. Then, then you know, somebody like fucking Slash Films going to ruin it. Like, oh, the cameo edition, the bird. Fuck you. Fucking tired of this bullshit. Um, <laughs> ruining shit. Um, but I will say this much: like, if you like Chris Pine singing, holy shit, it's so hilariously funny how much he sings in this movie. Like, because he's a like he's a minstrel. He's kind of like a minstrel, but he's not. Like, that's his whole. That's his whole like like you know uh, rope a dope thing is like doing music and stuff. He's got like this guitar that he hangs around that hangs around him all the time, uh, or that he that he has all the whole entire movie, um, and it's just like that's the kind of movie it is. Um, it, it's like this movie where like you know he's singing songs and the songs are written by Tame Impala. Like that should tell you the kind <laughs> of like weird fucking thing that this is. Um, you know, uh, like, you know, you and you, like, you give the heart of the movie to Michelle Rodriguez. And I, I you let, wait. like, you let it be that dangerous. Yeah. Um, I, I need to rewatch you know, Girl Fight, man. I have not watched it in so long, but. Dude, like, it's a fucking great. I mean, talking oh, man, about, so like, directors that maybe didn't, which I know Karen Kasama works a lot in television now, but, like. Yeah. Jesus, man, like girl fight, Eon Flux, I think much like Coneheads, maybe <laughs> ended Steve Barron's like chances. Eon Flux probably like, you know, it was her shooting her shot, but like, it's not really her fault that that movie was not no. super successful. She, it, you know, no. she's really I fucking mean, good, back, man. She is. I mean, like, and then taking it back to Jennifer's body, she directed Jennifer's body. Oh yeah, that's I mean, right. That's right. 
Uh, she did this great lo-fi horror movie called The Invitation. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's I've with, never seen uh, The Invitation, and I've never seen Destroyer, which Destroyer is on my list because it's Tatiana Maslany, and that cast Ronnie, is yep. fucking incredible, and I just have never watched it. Okay, so Destroyer, I saw at an Academy screening with Nicole Kidman and Karen Kusama in attendance, and that was that movie is is hard in a way that you don't expect it to be. There's like this mid, there's this, uh, this mid, um, uh, mid movie, um, action set piece. Um, that's a bank robbery that holy shit, like both of them between Kidman and, and Kusama, like the way that they film it and direct, like and direct it or like the way that they act and direct it respectively is great um it's a very it's a very like hard-hitting movie um, i would like to see toby kebble in something that isn't like a fucking mo capture <laughs> yes <laughs> just a total disaster <laughs> um no no absolutely kid, man. <laughs> yep no absolutely absolutely he I does mean, does not get it though Nicole Kidman, yeah. Tatiana Mazzani, Toby Kevill, Sebastian Stan. I mean, Scoop McNary, Bradley Whitford, Toby Huss. I mean, that's mm-hmm. such a fucking good. I'm like, I and every time because I'm such a Tatiana fan, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'll, I'll get it in my head. I'm like, here's the list. Here's all the things I haven't watched. I'm gonna watch them, and then like inevitably, I'm like. Ooh, new episode of The Flash or something like that. And I'm like, why am I watching The Flash? It's fucking terrible. And which, holy shit, no, small side rant. I don't have to say anything more than like, like I'm glad that the DC stuff is ending on the CW because fuck, yeah. is it bad? The Flash is just worthless yeah. now. That new Gotham Night show, holy shit, is it terrible? It is oh, fucking awful. It is is the worst. Like, it's worse than Birds of Prey. Oh wow, and that's that pretty bad. So yeah, uh, Superman and Lois is still really good, but that show is all about like the relationships of the characters. The superheroes mm-hmm. kind of come very much secondary. Like you get hooked into that just because of the like uh, parents kids thing you know so but anyway um you know weird uh, side note oh okay so it's a weird side note about maslani uh, just so they like did you know that she plays katniss in the audiobook versions of the hunger games i did not i think that that might be your entryway into uh, audiobooks bro because she plays them in all all three of them Un- unabridged. Yeah, I, kn- I know she does aud- like those audiobook stuff, but uh, yeah, I did not know she was Katniss. So, and she also yeah, we'll did, have to check that out. She, no, absolutely. And she also did an audio, um, a lock and key audio drama where she played I did know uh, that. Dodge. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did know that. Um, I have them. I've listened to a little bit of it. Um, but I think when I started listening to it, like, the show was officially announced and like I just finished the books uh, and I, it was I was in a like I, I just finished off the books like I don't know that I want to re-listen to everything and also the show is coming mm-hmm. and but yeah I, I actually do have those somewhere um okay. and since the show's ended it might be a good time to revisit those 
Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm such a big fan of hers, and she she works a lot more than you think she does. I I've still got to catch up with Perry Mason. Every like, well, this is just season two, but like every month or so, I'm like, I'm gonna finally sit down and watch Perry Mason, and I never do. I'm like, she's in this show every week, and I'm just like, I can't make time for it. But I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, I'll tell you. Perry Mason is a trudge, dude. It's tough. Yeah, I've not like, heard I, a lot got, of people praise it. So, like, I got through, I I got through it, but I mean, it was literally sitting here, like, watching it while I did site work. Like, that's how trudgy it was. Um, with people that I really like as actors, like, and, and the time frame, it just okay. So, like, like here goes going back to Dungeons and Dragons. Right? There's been like four different movies from Dungeons and Dragons and they were all fucking terrible. Um, like, but it's the tone. Like it ultimately it's the tone. It doesn't matter how much fan service you fucking give it. Like, I don't care. Like you can, you can do all of the stuff accurately, but if it doesn't work as a movie and it, the tone isn't right and it's not fun or entertaining in some way, like I feel like that's what happens like that's for me ultimately Perry Mason doesn't work because it's a slog. It's like it's like uh it's like jello. It's like if you if you throw like one of your like you know G.I. Joe's or Star Wars uh figures into into I like hate jello. To hear that, man. I, it, it's... it's it's not <laughs> if you like okay, like if you like like that kind of ponderous, weird ass, like oh like one clue leads to another leads to another leads to a red herring and we have to start over again and guess what uh, so it's, it's a different the... kind of procedural then but, yes yeah. yes it, it's, yeah uh yeah, it's, I hate to it's hear not that. yeah yeah but i mean you know what like i know that sometimes people find uh, find it's find that engrossing especially if the right mixture for them works like i said like you know it's like dungeons and dragons like mm. you know like, like it, it unlocks something it, because the tone was right for me it's like um, perry mason by way of dan brown i don't have a lot oh, of interest Jesus in that christ yeah um, yeah that's literally what it is it's like oh let's like if it was a video game like it, it was like that, that video oh, game fetch quest man yep you oh, you remember la noir do you remember that yeah. that, that game yeah that's exactly what it is that's exactly what it is. Boring hate, as hell. I hate to hear that, man. Cause yeah, I know. Me too. Uh, those, so, those actors certainly deserve better than that. But they also are like, like the weird part is, is that they're part of the problem. They're relishing it. Like they're like, oh, I get to go slow and methodical. I'm gonna yeah. go slow and methodical. Like I will say this much, like. The women and men in it, they're dressed impeccably. They look beautiful. They're beautifully shot. It's just, it's the whole thing of like, the tone is just so off and so just kind of like this, like, it's like the, it's like those, like, you know, how like sometimes people make fun of movies about being important because they're fucking slow. Yeah. Like there's a movie I'm thinking about right now um that i've given so much shade shade to but i won't give shade to it anymore maybe not i don't know tar um that the tone <laughs> like of the it only is one. so glacial <laughs> i know i fucking know 
But did you hear him honest, say that he was probably yeah. done making movies? <laughs> Directing? And I'm like, Todd Field, like, you know. You took a like, decade long break between films. You come out with this one, it gets nominated for tons of awards. It doesn't win Best Picture. And you're just like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> My favorite part of the entire broadcast was when he didn't win. And the look on his face with that fucking hat on, with that fucking weird bolo hat, looking disappointed, thinking that he actually would win. I, like, I can't I mean, I say was anything. Like, I didn't see the movie. So, I, like, I have no basis to judge it. But, like, it, and I know a lot of people uh, that told me, like, it, it, like, my cousin in Texas when he was in town for uh, Christmas, um, he he was like, man, have you seen Tar? I was like, no. He's like, oh, you got to watch it. It's incredible. And like, the more I would see about it, the more I was just like, this feels like a really self-important movie. So yes. I don't know that it's my thing. Like, glad everybody else is enjoying it. It just looks really self-important. And like, the Daniels are just having fun, man. And I really enjoy that. It's like having fun. And saying things without being self-important. <laughs> so. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it's like, like, okay, so like any other year, it probably would have won. Like literally, honestly, like it would have, except for Parasite, it would have won. Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, like it's the movie that critics, it, it's a movie that critics get behind. And like academy gets behind because like i said it's done in this weird glacial manner where uh, like i don't know like i checked out as soon as that like i don't like movies that have like that have like cheap entryways into them and that's what it does like as soon like there's a 20 minute opening scene where the where where tar lydia tar the kate blanchett character is being interviewed 20 minutes bro She's being interviewed. I mean, like, they do that in the first episode of BoJack Horseman. It takes like yes. a minute and a half. It sets up the whole fucking series. And it's literally like 90 seconds, maybe two minutes before that theme song kicks in. Yeah, I don't I don't really need 30 minutes of that, man. <laughs> right. And I mean, and like I told you, and I've said this before. Kate Blanchett is fucking amazing in this movie. Like she is literally next level amazing. And I know that people are going to be like, how the fuck can you compliment this person, but smack the film in the face? Well, when you watch tar, um, and you like a two hour and 40 minute movie takes you like six hours to watch. There you go. Um, I wonder who edited that. Did he edit it? He or did. he had to be he in did. the room. So No, 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 no. He I think he actually edited it. I think that like Cameron, he he's his own editor or like Kubrick except for he's more like Kubrick than Cameron. Um yeah. though Kubrick is, you know, is who he is, right? Um uh I think it actually got nominated um for for an editing Oscar which was so fucking weird to me. Um because it's like uh, no, um, Monica Willis or Willie, Monica Willie. That's who. Uh, that's who did it, and she did get nominated for best editing. 
Um, I mean, it, it, it takes like, it's like the first hour and a half is like of a two and a half hour or two hour and 40 minute movie is very kind of pedestrian and setting things up. But then the last hour is good. I don't know. It's just, it's a very complicated thing. And it's like the more people start bombing <laughs> onto things, the more. I have the second feeling watching Avatar and Avatar is fucking gorgeous. <laughs> so, yes. I'm just like, man, the first hour of this movie, it's just like set up, set up, set up. But at least it's pretty to look at. I, I don't know if I want that from a, a drama, you know, like um, a yeah. movie drama piece. Uh, yeah. I, I probably won't ever get around to watching it i do think it's funny that he's just like i'll just take my ball and go home i mean maybe he doesn't have anything else to say like i feel similarly about tarantino with his like i'm only gonna make x amount of movies like well you're fucking stupid dude like you know kevin smith tried that with his like this is the last movie i'm gonna make that's dumb dude because like you'll be sitting around and be like man that's a good idea for a movie like we should go make that like don't fucking put that on yourself like just be done when you're done like you know yeah 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 go away like, for 15 years i'll make something when something uh, when there's something that comes along or i have an idea that i feel like i want to make like you're making this these self-important statements about like well i'm done making films like well, fucking good for you man there's a lot of people that want to make movies <laughs> like uh, yeah, move over, move the yeah. fuck over. <laughs> Especially <laughs> fucking Let's not... Oscar-nominated directors. Like, okay, we'll go the fuck away then, dude. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously, seriously. Like, I like, mean, I mean, like this... Spielberg's like eighty. Uh-huh. Like, well, yes, and he's still fucking making movies. Uh, I mean, he's still making like movies that are like I, exactly. It's like he has so much to say. Um, he made the most personal movie he's ever made. And Todd feels yeah. just like, I think I'm done after this. Like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, well, here's the thing. Okay, so fucking Spielberg makes a musical at 77. Yeah. <laughs> after, this is the guy who directed 1942, a movie that I love, but has musical <laughs> moments. And uh, people yeah. have said, this motherfucker should not be directing musicals and came back 40 years later and showed them. No motherfuckers. I'm going to make the, I'm going to make one of the best movie musicals and it's going to be a fucking remake of a movie that you guys all loved, but I'm going to make it just as good, but I'm going to make it even better at certain moments. It's like, but Todd Field's like, I made a, I made a two hour and 40 minute movie about a composer that had, that got canceled. And then she couldn't handle being canceled, so she went crazy. I'm done. I'm out. Uh, you know, I made a movie about, like, I mean, like, his three movies. Like, so In the Bedroom is about a kid who gets involved with a with an older woman who has a baby daddy who's fucking psychotic, played by Tom Cruise's nep- um, cousin, dies. And then his parents try to set about to get revenge on him, but they're so rich, uh, rich white because they live in fucking Martha's Vineyard that they can't do it. That's his first movie, right? Like, I mean, and white people were so upset about this when he, when the kid dies. Oh my God, this, this rich white kid died because of, you know, 
shut up. This is not a good movie. I, I don't like in the bedroom is like, you know, I agree. About I didn't think in, I've tried to watch it in the bedroom and I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> it's again, self-important it's, bullshit. It, exactly. It's literally about a child molester who comes back into town and the town, like, you know, says that he's a child molester and keeps on fucking abusing him and causes him to castrate himself. That's the movie. I'm sorry I ruined it for you guys, but that's the movie. This is what, like, you know, and I don't know, man. Like, like I, I, I like Todd Field. I mean, he's in one of my favorite trashy uh, movies from the 90s, Twister, like, which is getting a sequel. Who knows? Maybe they'll get Todd. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, if he's going to quit directing and focus back on acting, then yeah, good, man. Like, Twisters. Hey, you know. Twisters. We liked you in that movie. He's he's old drippy in two episodes of Aquating Hunger Force. Like, it's fucking great, man. I love that. Do that shit. I don't want to see yourself in yes. bullshit movies. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, it's all to say, go see Tar, guys. Go see Tar. I didn't ruin it for you. <laughs> There's still so much. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, like speaking of people that that should be making films and are not retiring from films. Like, it made me very happy to know that um, Jordan Peele and Universal are so confident in whatever next movie that he's created that he has his plot for that they were like. You know what we're going to date it for? Fuck you, Christmas, Christmas 2024. <laughs> yeah, Avatar 2 or Avatar... No, it's... What is it? Avatar 3. Yeah. <laughs> Avatar 3? Fuck you. Jordan Peele, a week later, is bringing out his movie. I Like, that's like... And Sonic. Like, Sonic 3 is supposed... Like, like I find it funny that Sonic 3 and Avatar 3 are going head-to-head. That, that's, because, the, that's the one that I'm just like... Like, Sonic's got to move off of Avatar. It like, will. They're It'll both, go back to January. Yeah, they're both right? falling into that same cat. Like Sonic and a Jordan Pill movie, that's counter programming. Like yes. you know, Sonic's gonna get the seven year olds. Um, you know, that's great. But like Avatar leans into that. So like I don't like do you wanna take that on? But like no. yeah, I the problem with Avatar is he's now proven twice that those movies have legs. So if you're yeah. within like six weeks of Avatar premiering, like there's a chance that it's taking bites out of your box office, man. Like, you know, it, it's crazy. Or maybe even eight weeks, like, you know, which yeah. is fucking nuts at this day and age. Like, you know. 15 years ago, that was nothing. Today, it's just like, no. oh, Jesus, that's still a number one or number two of the box office. It came out two months ago. Oh. Yep. Well, and then they're talking, I mean, like, I, yeah, like, it's just, it's nuts, right? Like, why do you, like, I feel like Sonic will do what it did the last two times it's released is move it to January. Yeah, where it's made gangbusters. Like yeah. both Sonic movies have survived because yeah, that January off, February like, low like market. Um, I, I know you want the kids while they're out of school and they're on that like break, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you, man. Like move it to every once in a while. There's a Marvel movie in January February that you might have mm-hmm. to maneuver around, but there's those Marvel movies, uh, Sonic too, but like those things are so front loaded that like, yep. 
you you're not relying on legs really for the box office so if you premiere two weeks before two weeks after a marvel movie you're in the clear man like after two weeks there was the rush it's it's not you know it's not gonna bite into your box office um yeah going head to head with avatar that's it's a bad idea jordan pill i can see kind of doing it because it is a little kind of counter programming but like sonic nah it's just a bad idea man yeah, no, it, it really is. Though, I will say this much. It concerns, like, I love the, the boldness of it, but if, like, if Peel decides to do another big, like, IMAX-infused movie, this will not, this, this, this will not work because oh, yeah. all of the IMAX screens are going to be taken by Avatar 2, yeah. even a week later. Like, I feel like if if we start finding out more details, because like the thing was, was that with Nope, we instantly found out he was shooting it um, in IMAX. Yeah. So we knew that he was shooting it for the big screen. Like that's what his whole thing was. And I'm almost wondering if we start to get more details and it starts to shift and it goes to like, say maybe Thanksgiving and we get a, we get like, because there's always two big movies, right? There's, there's, medium-sized movies and then there's two big movies at christmas there's the one that starts at thanksgiving and then there's the one that like hits around christmas time now of course there's other things there but primarily that's the big thing right and typically like you know that that thanksgiving movie can be either a family movie or like an action like four quadrant big movie um i'm almost wondering if peel goes there unless there's a marvel movie there Oh, like unless yeah. there's a, a certain Marvel movie, like it. But I do like the boldness and the confidence of Universal backing their their their. Like, let's be honest. Like, they're going to keep him the way that Eastwood was at Warner Brothers, and the way that Spielberg, um, basically was at Universal. Like, I mean, until DreamWorks yeah. came around, but then he always he's always come back to Universal, right? Like, Universal is Jordan Peele's home. And they will not, under any circumstances, let that. As much as like, uh, like, like fucking Jason Blum and Blumhouse, right? They are not going to let those dudes go because they know that those are the guys that, like, Jordan. Like, like, here's the thing: Vin Diesel will stop making movies in about five years, right? Like, when the faster, th- the fast things are done and the bullshit, you're going to get tired of it. Jordan Peele has another forty years of filmmaking in him. Yeah, Jason Blum has another 40 years of filmmaking in him. Um, James Wan, who they just signed at Universal. Like, I feel like Universal, along with Paramount, are like some of the smartest people right now because they're making moves that look not at one year or two years, but five years, even though everything tells them that they need to look at right now because, you know, what's a movie executive except for his last best movie or her last best movie? Um. So I find it interesting that, like, they're very confident in him. I mean, which they should be. Like, you know, like, I like that because it just means that, oh, you're going to throw all the money at Jordan Peele. And Jordan Peele will probably be like Spielberg, where we know in his career, Spielberg could have any budget he wanted. But he always said a smaller budget, a budget that just makes it so that I can't do everything I want makes it a more creative movie 
I like that idea. And Jordan Peele has had a chance to do $100 million movies, and he doesn't. He sits there and goes, you know what? I could do Akira for $200 million, but I I have this idea about a a Jaws-like situation. And I think I'm going to do that for, you know, a quarter of the cost. I mean, Spielberg only spent $65 million on Jurassic Park, but... I feel like of all the Jurassic parks, it's still the best one because yeah. the dinosaurs look fucking real. They look more real than any of the other ones. And thanks to <laughs> Winston. It's funny. You bring that up. Uh, I was at my sister's house the other day and uh, my, uh-huh. ne- my nephew walks up to me and goes, uncle Logan, I want to go to Jurassic world. <laughs> and I just started. Laughing. <laughs> he's, he's, six and uh my mom is sitting there and she looks at me and she goes you're gonna have to take him to that because i'm not taking him to go see a bunch of dinosaurs i was like does he mean the theme park or the movie she was like oh he wants to go to some park i was like it's not real you know that right like there's no jurassic (laughs) world (laughs) like i mean i know you know dinosaurs aren't real but like there's no dinosaur park with fake dinosaurs like it doesn't exist so i mean they have like those little like weird like touring shows where they but i'm just like yes. there's no park to take him to like it's not fucking six flags but yeah you saying jurassic park made me think of that um all right so uh few things have premiered that i want to touch on before we go okay so absolutely ted lasso are you watching? Yes, watch both, oh yeah, I watched both episodes. Um, how, how are you feeling? I'm okay. So, like, we actually, me and my wife actually had a very long conversation about this at the premiere. And again, why is there not three episodes? Why are there not two episodes? Because I feel like they shifted so much in that first episode, and they lost. Like, to be honest, they lost the thread. Um, for me in that first episode, the second episode gained a little bit more confidence because it's, I'm going to go with them, but I'm going to say this much. Like I'm in very much agreement about like, for me, it felt like they had one fucking job to do and it's to thread the needle. And I understand that, but they didn't. And it's in this weird nebulous zone where I'm like, okay, yeah. guys, I'm going to go with you on this. And if this were a season where it's like, well, we know they have two more seasons coming and they're kind of like yes. just figuring out, like it feels like they very tightly had the first two seasons planned and like they knew where they were going to end with season two. And, but like they had a plan for like, the resolution of the Nate Ted stuff, but like you have to fill in all the other things. And if you're getting two more seasons after this, you can kind of just be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm sticking with like, you're still my guy, but like, I, I understand you need some time to figure this out when this is literally like almost everybody involved is like, yeah, we're done after this season. This is our final season. You don't want the first few episodes to feel like, like they didn't know what they wanted to do. Like on from such a tightly scripted show, like from day yeah, one, no, absolutely. it's just like, holy shit, these scripts are so tight. And this is just like this. 
it just doesn't feel like y'all know where you're going with this. And that's, it's, it's still not, it's not bad. It's still better than almost anything else on television, but yeah, yeah. you're like, they've lost a step. Um, but they were, they were also off for a really long time. And I don't know. I don't know. I, and they got so, okay. And they got so many complaints about Nate after everything started to like, like after, after they, after the turn with Nate, right. And everything that happened in the argument, then they got backlash because they, everybody realized Nate was right. And the whole thing was, is they, they never, they never processed the fact that the Ted Lasso people, like the Ted Lasso writers room knew exactly what the fuck they were doing to set this up. And it feels like they're like, Oh, we need to course correct and give Nate an entire, basically an entire episode and let the guys just spin and show like where Nate is and connect the dots. Yeah. And I just felt like that could have been done differently and more concisely. Like we talked about, like, you know, it's like, it's like Bojo, uh, uh, Bojack Horseman, like, as opposed to Tar, right? When 20 minutes didn't need to be done and 90 seconds could have been done. It just felt like it was fan service for a certain sector of the fandom. They got super upset when they realized they were duped. And it's like, no, that's the purpose of that's season two at the end. the fucking point, man. Exactly. Is that, like, um, and we, we're talking about this on Pod Lasso. Uh, like, uh, Jess, I'm not, she's not, like, one of those super angry people. But, like, she was. Huh? But, like, like, the point is to evoke that emotion in you. Is to be like, because mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, the people you think you know, sometimes you don't fucking know. You don't know what they're going yeah. through. You don't know what they've had to deal with in their life. And like, as we're revisiting it, um, like I've watched them so many times, but like Jess is rewatching them to podcast about them. And so as she's rewatching it, she's like, I see this, I see this, I see this, I see like when Mm -hmm. you just watch it the first time through, it's just like, Oh shit. That's, that's like a knife in my heart, man. But then when you go back and watch it and start to, it's almost like therapy. Like when you start revisiting those things, you can see like where that first domino starts to fall. Like they're already set. Like once you start, like once you get into like season two and like you meet Nate's parents and like, see how fucking like just, hurtful all of that is like you see okay this is why the dominoes were set up that way and then you go back and rewatch season one and you start seeing where they where they just start falling and it becomes this this cascade of like just all of the shit he's put up with his whole life and and being treated like just like he was nothing and Exactly. Given that little bit of power and a voice, you know, it, it it's almost it's, it's very internet trolly, you know, like that's why we have internet trolls, like not defending yep. them, but like a lot of that is people who have been shit on by so many other people in their life. They get on the internet, they have a voice for the first time, and they're just gonna use it to shit on other people. Like it, it's just this exactly. vicious cycle and like it's all built in there. It's so smartly written, but like when you're like I, I'm treading water with that stuff, it, it's, it's tough, man. Like, you know, 
because but they also don't want you to hate Nate. Like they're trying to to make to thread the needle. Yeah, trying to make the people see like this is why this is happening. Like your reaction while we understand it, and that's the point is to evoke that reaction. It's the backlash on like fuck you and fuck this show because we like this character and you turned him into a bad guy. It's like, well, no, like it, he's it, not a bad guy. Exactly. It's, it's Zang, <laughs> like, Zangief, Zangief in fucking <laughs> wreck it Ralph, man. Like, that's, like <laughs> yes. I'm a bad guy. doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. You know, like he's a good dude doing wrong things and not understanding, you know, not dealing with his own demons and his own trauma. And like, he's that's this whole show is just people process like learning and watching people how they process things differently like it's if yeah we get into a lot of it on pod lasso so i I don't need to retread it here but yeah Yeah. i i'm i'm with it i'm still with it but like i agree with you that like i i even told jess we podcasted last night she hasn't watched the two premieres or the the two episodes and i was like she was like so please nobody spoil it for me i was like honestly jess i could tell you beat for beat what happens in the first two episodes and you'll be like well none of that is spoilers like not saying bad things but they are very much treading water which is frustrating very much the last season (laughs) So, it, no, absolutely. Much like another show, if if they came out and were like, "This is going to be the last season of The Mandalorian," when that first episode hit, I would have been like, "This is some bullshit." It's yeah. not even the last season that first episode hit, and I was like, "This is some bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, um, I do have. To, they recovered. <laughs> yes, I would. Okay, so like, I I do have to ask about that. Like, did you see the last episode? I did. Okay. Um. So it's weird because it's very complicated, right? Like, I'm. Oh, it's not complicated. I'm in love with Bo Katan. That's not complicated. Oh, yes. Okay. So that, that, okay. So that, that, like, come on, Starbuck. Like, we knew eventually they would get, they would get to a fucking point where I appreciate they would show. But I was not, like, I, I appreciated her in that show, like that show, understood all the nerds being like, oh, she's the new nerd it girl. I was like, I get it, but, you know, I didn't have that. This, like, holy shit, man. Like, she's just fucking awesome. She's so right? good. Like, 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 so if they're, like, so Katie Sackoff getting her roses this year, like, as much as, like, okay, so, like, like, there's just so much to, there's so much to love about this show on multiple levels. Like to me, it feels like they're doing a lot of stuff that I don't feel like, like people really truly understand what they're doing and how they're going about it. It's felonism, right? It's felony. It's felony making sure that. So this is how I know that this is more, more felony than Favreau the last couple of episodes is because it's making very sure that it's course correcting certain things in canon, but by still telling a, an amazing rollicking story, one that you can get behind, even though all of the people that you're watching for a good portion of it are in masks that you can't tell what they're, they're feeling. 
you kind of can't, but you totally can. This is all Filoni special, right? You like, almost see so nobody. Much... <laughs> the one face you see consistently nobody... in the last episode is a fucking puppet. <laughs> like it is exactly. crazy, a man. A puppet and a man who, like I told you, I got emotional about it, bro. I really did. Like when I saw, I was like, no fucking way are they. And then my wife was like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? Why are you saying this? Stuff? Shut up. This is a, this is fucking important. Like she got mad at me because why? Because I was saying this shit right when Grogu gets saved and realizing that it was a mod best was one of the more beautiful things that I've, I've seen in 2023 to give him that little, that moment and give him something after like, it wasn't enough for Filoni to, to course correct Jar Jar in the clone wars, but he had to do one more step and give Ahmad best a role to basically thank him for all the shit that he had to go through. I mean, like, let's be honest, right? Okay, so I, I'm get, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna nerd out here for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, this that's this whole podcast, but like, really, Star Wars yes. nerd out here for a minute. Okay, so not only is Ahmed Best playing a Jedi, but he did yes. a show that nobody fucking watched. It was called uh, yes. Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. It was very mm-hmm. much uh, like that old uh, what Legend of the Hidden Temple or something. That, that old Nickelodeon <laughs> show. Yes. Uh, in yes. it, he played Jedi Master Kelleron Beck. And in The Mandalorian, he was playing Jedi Master Kelleron Beck. Okay. Now, he was playing a character in this like very real game show uh, for kids. And to take that character... And be like, no, we're not just going to write him a new character. Like, that's him. Like, that's his Jedi character in Star Wars. He still gets to play that character. Like, it was so fucking heartwarming. Like, just, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm so happy for that dude. And I hope that that journey is not over. I hope that that is not the end of it. I don't think it is. But I don't think it is either. I really hope that it isn't. Well, so like you've heard the rumors of what it's leading up to, right? So I know in the books, I guess you find out that Jar Jar post uh, the rise of the empire winds up back on Naboo and running like an orphanage. Yes. So they were in a Naboo starfighter. So there's like, you at least get the feeling that maybe they're going to Naboo. We could see Jar Jar again. Like that, that could be really, really fun and interesting. Um, we haven't seen live action Jar Jar in a long fucking time. Um, yep. And to like redeem it to an audience bigger than what was in the Clone Wars, because they did a lot of legwork in the Clone Wars to redeem Jar Jar. Um, yep would be fantastic. Um, and you're a hundred percent right. That's all Filoni. Like that stuff is a hundred percent Filoni. Now the Mandalorian stuff, I feel like is a very good mixture of Favs and Filoni. 
like Filoni knows the yeah. the the history of all of that in canon. Favreau as this like uh, I, I don't want to speak for him, but like seemingly devout Jewish man seems to be taking a lot of his faith and infusing it into like including the like different factions of course that's yes. a lot of religious things you know you have cultish versions of religions and then you have like these devout people and then you have like the casual people and you know but like favreau is doing a fucking bang up job of just taking a lot of that i don't want to call it jewish mythology but a lot of that histrionics and like tweaking it so that it fits into like the Mandalorian culture, like, cause there's all yes. this like exile stuff and it, it, you know, these warring factions and it, it, it's all really, really fucking interesting. And it's a damn shame that they wasted the first 30 minutes of this eight episode season recapping shit for people who didn't watch the book of Boba Fett. Yes, no, absolutely. And so like, to take it one step further, um, you know that, like, so he, here's the thing is that if you're a clone fan, if you're a Clone Wars fan, you know, um, you know certain things about Filoni and Lucas and their soft hand approach to things, like the unexpectedness of it. And a funny, like, thing about the uh, Mandalorian episode, um, because it deals with a child being taken by a by a monster by a quote unquote monster, and then you get surprised about what like it's not a surprise because if you've ever watched a a Harryhausen movie, this is very much a Harryhausen yeah. kind of style set piece. But what's surprising, but it's not to anybody who's watched the Clone Wars, is the is what happens at the end. And and it was funny because I was watching it with my wife, and my wife was like what the fuck about those little baby chickens that did nothing? And I was like, wait, this is Dave Filoni. Wait. And she's like, what does that have to do with anything? I was like, you've watched enough Clone Wars to know that this is, just wait. Let's wait and see. And literally when they came down Bo-Katan's ship, she yeah. like the look on her face, like, thank God. But I mean, that's, but that's Dave Filoni. That's, and also you've introduced the, the character who literally from the beginning of the first season can yes. like communicate with those animals. Like he's the Grogu's like when he's not eating them, he's very good at yes. communicating with them. So absolutely. It, it, yeah. It's really, really fucking interesting, man. And I, I and really, in the episode before that, I really enjoyed, even though, it only bookends with uh, the Mando people in that yes. that middle forty minutes or so is uh, very much on the 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 cloner there. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I think I told Spencer uh, before he watched it. He said, "Is the new episode of The Mandalorian good?" When uh, talking about not this last episode, but the episode before, I said, "Yeah." yeah. I said uh, I didn't say yes. I said. Uh, turns out that I said they figured out that they can't spell Mandalorian without Andor, and he was like, "I don't know if you're telling me <laughs> yes. that that's good or not." And I was like, "You'll see," because <laughs> well, it's very much I mean, an episode of Andor in the middle of the Mandalorian. Uh, exactly, but like, can we be honest and say that Favs and and Filoni did 
Andor better than except I, for the prison I stuff. I completely agree. Like that the prison the prison <laughs> episodes are really great. The finale yep. has its moments of Andor, but like mostly it is just kind of boring, like gorgeous stuff. And, and like it feels like the like those war movies that get nominated for uh Oscars and you're like it's just a lot of long, like tracking shots being like, look at our set design. Like I don't fucking care, man. Something needs to happen. So like, um, you know, it's just safe in private Ryan. It, they weren't long ass shots of set design. Like when they stormed that beach, shit fucking happens. <laughs> like it is chaos. That's the way you do it. Um, but yeah, the, I agree with you. They did Andor better than, than, um, I forgot his name. Andor. Uh, then, <laughs> then, but, uh, uh, yes. Oh shit, I can't even think of his name now either. Um, Jesus, he he did Michael Clayton. Uh, yeah. Gilroy, the Gilroys. Yeah. Because all the Gilroys, John, Tony, and then the last one, I can't remember the other one's name. All three of them are involved with um, Andor, um, you know, which it makes sense because they were the ones that uh, essentially saved Rogue One, or at least they feel like they saved Rogue One. I still really want to see. Speaking of director cuts, I really want to see Gareth Edwards' yeah, first cut of uh, of Rogue One, just to see. Like, there's almost an odd part of me that almost feels like maybe they might, because Andor is such a good character, they may retcon things. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like there's this possibility out there that, like, I know that people end and all that shit but at the same time they've got diego luna and like it's almost like see what he said no i didn't yeah Uh so he did an interview uh i mean you know it's it's not terrible it's just somebody at because they're filming the season two now i think they're about to Mm -hmm. wrap um, if they haven't wrapped already, because this was a couple of weeks ago, um, but he was doing an interview and somebody asked him about being back in Star Wars and like not in a shitty way, but just in a like, you know, honest way. He was like, yeah, I'm glad it's almost over because this doing this being this character really takes a toll on me and I don't want to do it anymore. To that, it was to that effect. Ooh. Like very honest, not shitty. Just to like, this puts me in a bad place. I was down for doing this. We're two years, well, almost three years in since they uh-huh. announced the project. Um, and two years into filming, it's basically all he's done. And he's just like, I, I can't, I can't do this again. I'm glad that season two will be it. We have the story. It's there. It's gonna wrap. And I'll be done. So unless he just shows up, like if they do some kind of other prequel, whatever thing, Mm -hmm. and he he shows up as just a side character, I don't think we'll get anything focused on him again. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I could see how that could take a toll, especially because you're you're like that first series is so oppressively bleak. Mm-hmm. Right, like, like even when it's thrilling, it's bleak as fuck. Um, so I could see how it take it took a toll on somebody who like every day has to like figure out some way to like imbue loss into your performance. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. 
that's tough. On a it's not being angry. It's not being like yeah. it's like literally being. It's like hopeless. I have to come into this absolutely hopeless because that's where he is. You know, yeah. like he's no, lost everything. Absolutely. So it, it, yeah, um, it had it not been that, and he was just like, yeah, I want to do more. Like I could see them like. Like, oh, okay, we got to find a way to retcon all of this. But, like, with him saying that, I was like, nah. They're not going to – they won't recast. Like, that would that would cause major backlash. Um, Oh, yeah. So, yeah. They just – We would all. Unless they do something in the Rogue One era, then uh, – and he's just a bit part. Yeah, I doubt we'll ever see him in Star Wars again. So, which, you know, that's fine. So. Well, that's fine. I mean, there's so many other characters. I wanted to ask you, uh, when we're talking about uh, Ted Lasso, I wanted to ask you if you watched the shrinking finale yet. I have not. We're watching it today. Um, We we wanted to make it special because that last episode, episode nine, um, damn, that hit hard. Like, and we were like, I don't know if I could do it tonight, like a Thursday and then on Friday, it was like, no, nah, this is Ted Lasso's day. Because, like, we make Friday nights our Ted Lasso because it's it's our thing. It's to relax, right? Yeah. So this last one, I did. I was like, if nine was as hard hit, like, it's not even hard hitting. It's just they know how to hit the emotions right. Um, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to watch it unless I was, like, like, you know, I was prepped and I wanted to watch it in a certain way. So, did you watch it? I did. Uh, okay, and your your general thoughts on it in in regards to in regards to how it ended? If they hadn't already renewed it for season two and three, I believe yes. it would be it would be a good series finale. It's it's okay. fun. It's funny. It's sweet. It's heartfelt. And then there's a surprise fucking ending that. I mean, takes it's gonna take the show into like a whole new territory, man. Like I can't wait for season two because, like, I don't know how you deal with what happened. <laughs> like it's it's weird because I have to talk around it, but like uh-huh. it's everything's like literally the last like. Not even 60s. Yeah, about 60 seconds of the episode. Something happens, and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, it is the equivalent. Uh, you watched um, Dead to Me on Netflix? Yes. Yeah. You know, like, the end of the first episode, you find out that, like, she's the person that killed this girl's husband. And, like, yes. it's that level of, like... But it's not that twist. Like you, it's not like oh shit, somebody. This is the person that that his his wife died in an accident. I can't remember. Um, yes, it, it's yes. not that level of twist, but it is that kind of like oh fuck, <laughs> like wait, what what happened? <laughs> um, or actually, maybe more accurate, it's like at the end of the first season of Dead to Me when you find out that like what you thought was happening. Really isn't happening. She isn't the bad guy. This dickbag yes. over here is the bad guy. It's like, holy shit. Like, what is going on? It's that level of, like, almost 
make you laugh what the fuck kind of twist on the show. I'm like, I I just I'm so excited for what season two is gonna be because wow. And and also I hope y'all are moving really fast on season two because not sure if you're aware, but Harrison Ford's really old. So like Yes. <laughs> I don't want to deal with the, like, I don't want to okay. deal with the death of Paul in the show. I really don't. Like especially because like the beauty of shrinking has been my reaffirm my 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 reaffirming of Harrison Ford as a performer because for since I, I think since like about 2010 I've just been this believer that he's just done there's nothing in the tank yeah. and he has proven so wrong and so differently um with this show which makes sense when you know the Ted Lasso guys are the Ted Lasso creatives or, or cabal is involved with this, it makes an absolute sense. Um, I was going to ask you something star Wars adjacent. I was going to go back to star Wars because it was something that I, I heard and it was too delicious of a rumor to not actually ask you about. So have you heard anything about, have you heard the, like the weird deep state rumors that are going around about Ahsoka having to deal with Sabine and Ezra? No. Okay, there's nothing it's nothing bad. It's more about where where Ezra is supposedly and if the rumor tr- turns true, it's would I would like to know you would I'd like to know what your opinion is of this because it's something it feels like a feloniism, but it also feels so off is so the rumor is take it with a grain of salt is that um so Sabine still has the saber still has the green saber um his saber and is using it and ezra has evolved and changed and he uses the force in the way that like say somebody had described it as like donnie yen would use the force if donnie yen was was like like not rogue one but like you know like if donnie yen was a jedi and had force powers he would use it as with his martial arts so it's a physical manifestation that he constantly uses at, to fight people, uh, to use as like his way of yielding the force rather than using a lightsaber. Um, that'd be pretty interesting. Um, right? I don't, I don't I, know if I, <laughs> yeah. If it's something it's like, that it had been be like bullshit. firmly previously been established in canon, then it'll be like, oh, cool, we get to see that brought into live action um, or even animation. Yeah. But, like, and I can't, like, I'm not going to stand here and firmly state, like, that's something, that's not in canon. Like, that's just making shit up or some dumb shit like that. I don't know all the Star Wars canon. Like, maybe it is. Yeah. Um, it might be kind of cool. I, it, I, With stuff like that, you always run the risk of, like, it looking like, a like when they do this in Shazam because it's magic, you know, it's just like, oh, I just yeah. magicked my way out of it. Like, you run that risk of like not having to ground it in anything. So, yes. you know, which actually, weirdly enough, weirdly enough, Dungeons and Dragons deals with that where they fucking say very firmly, they're like, you don't obviously know how magic works, magic is not like that. Magic is not a solve all for everything, which I love that kind of concept of 
it's not a magic. It's not a solve all for Yeah, you which, have to restrict yourself when you're writing stuff like that, creating stuff like that. Because if you don't, what winds up happening is just go, I don't know, he does some magic shit and then we get out of it. Like, yeah, that's just, that's lazy, man. And while it's fine in a movie that, like, is for four year olds or six year olds, <laughs> even. Like, yes. It, you know, if you want to attract a like a widespread audience, you can't do a lot of that. I mean, we see so little of the force in the first Star Wars movie. Like, it's just mostly talked about as a concept. Like, yes. you know, there's so little of it you see, like, that it, it get, let, lets you get accustomed to all of that, you know. Um, and... I feel like were uh, were they able to show more like we can now? Were special effects better? Would we have gotten more of the Force stuff in the original Star Wars? Probably, and it may have like shot itself in the foot with all of that bullshit. Like, absolutely, you know, because that's what happened. You go, oh, I'm just magic my way out of it. So it's why Luke making the shot that he makes at the end of the first star Wars. is like, Oh my God, that's incredible. It was an impossible shot because you've built up. Like, will he be able to do this when you just have a bunch of people magic in their way out of every fucking thing that they encounter? Like that big shot at the end is it's nothing. It's dumb. It's just like, okay, of course they won. Of course they saved the day. Of course they beat the bad guy. Like there's no celebratory moment. You're just like, eh, yeah, that's what was going to happen. So it, it's a very weird line to walk. The force being what it is, I could see you introducing that, but like it's also way different than a lot of stuff we know about already. So that's true. Though, like, and, and I will counter with this, I will only say this. Um, in Rebels, I feel like Floki pushed the force in what it could be more than any other series had before. You know, in, in that way where what we thought was like different things and different avenues of what the force is. Yeah. So it made me think, okay, so this is all going to be execution based if they can do it. Um, but here's the thing is that if it's going to happen in a series, it has, it would be in a rebels based series where the people that were involved with rebels would be the part that it would, because I mean, he yeah. communicated with animals. We saw the, uh, we saw the, uh, the light, uh, the space whales, the light force space whales. We, I mean, there was like the, the dog, uh, the, the wolves, um, the alternate timeline. Yep. Um, so all of this stuff, like it, so it, it would make sense though. Like I kept on thinking about it. And I'm like, how the hell are they going to do that? That's without it looking stupid like that's the thing that i feel like it's all like it's execution based right and yeah. it has to be a good reason and well feloni has never not found a good reason to put something in and justify things inside of his inside of his stuff within star wars i mean um, honestly he's really good at bringing stuff back that you didn't know was gonna be like some groundwork that he much in the way of the Ted Lasso guys, some groundwork he yes. laid fucking 10 years ago in an animated show. You've been like, Oh shit. That's what that was about. Like, 
and then yes. now all of a sudden it makes sense. Like he's really, really good at that. Like uh, so much better than George ever was or ever could have been. Like he, you know, <laughs> the, the problem, the ultimate problem with the prequels is not that George Lucas did them; it's that George Lucas did not have Dave Filoni with him while he was doing them. <laughs> no, absolutely. If he had had, if he had had, like. Filoni is like a better director, better creative version of Lawrence Cast. That's essentially yeah. what he yeah. is. Like Kasdan in the eighties, for what everything that Lucas wanted was his dude, right? Like it just made sense. Like everything that he did was was on was on point. Like he was, but Filoni is the evolution of that. Like obviously, we found that because you know. Kasdan was was a part of certain things and um you know was part of the reason why certain things happened in the way that they did in the Star Wars universe which was like oh god please give me something different but anywho um his Kasdan's boy got some bad news last week <laughs> yes oh yes <laughs> um, but you know what hey we're talking about clone high coming back we've got uh, things that are returning all the time. Willow might not be dead. Credit to him, he took it like a champ and was just like, that's the end of the story for now. So, you know, we shall see. Um, maybe five years from now, it's not dead. So, you know. Um, but honestly, wasn't a very good show. Really disappointed in it. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, but hey, there's probably going to be a Scream 7. So we got that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, which isn't a bad thing, right? Like, I mean, no, I, 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 let's say on this. Wait like, till you get to see it. So, which, I mean, I know it might not. Oh, okay. I was going to say it might not be till video, which probably won't be very long. But, like, yeah, I, yeah. I think. I think you'll have a, it. It's so funny. Scream Six made a shit ton of money, and critics were just like, "This is garbage." Shazam, everybody shit on it. Didn't make any money, and I'm just like, "This is a good movie." <laughs> <laughs> Scream Six is a lot of fun, uh, though. Like, I I don't know what I, both of those movies. Like, I I don't know what the I don't know what these fucking people want anymore. Like, I just want to go to the theater and have a good time, and I had a good time with both movies. So. And that's all that I care about. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's all fucking weird. It, it's very weird to me that, like, I don't, like, you're right. I don't know what people want from movies. Like, sometimes movies are disposable. They don't matter. They're they're cotton candy. Like, that's what sometimes movies should be. Yeah. And, like, like, I can't help that you put more on it because when you were seven years old, you watched some shit 30,000 times because your parents weren't fucking around because they were latchkey. You were a latchkey kid. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't do anything fucking for you. And now you all grossed up and you're a, you're a big time movie writer. And uh, I didn't get my shot directing. So everything I'm going to shit on. And it's like, dude, come on, please. Like take them as they, uh, as they are. Not everything can be tar. And maybe maybe you should just go back to writing three thousand uh, uh, ten thousand words about tar then if you don't like Shazam. Oh, I know why. Because you're getting paid by people to write about this stuff, and you're so bitter about it yeah. that you have to take it out on a movie. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, I mean, yeah. but anyway, 
it's 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 sad. Yeah, it really, it really, really is. Um, uh, I we can end on something happy. I I also binged most of the episodes of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur that are on Disney Plus now. New animated show. Yes. Fucking just so much fun. It it is the I I, I also finished off uh finally finished Invincible season one. Um which, Oh, okay. Good, good. I, I know everybody loved it and was like, oh my God, this is so like I read the book, so none of it was shocking. It is very well done. Yeah. But Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is like the antithesis of Invincible. It's like very wholesome, <laughs> non-consequential. Like it's just it's just a lot of fun. So I, I don't know if people are sleeping on this show. Like I know it feels very like kid aimed, but like I also know adults that don't have children that watch fucking Bluey. So like maybe stop stop watching Bluey for a minute and go watch Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> Because I think it's more I've fun the than first two episodes. I've watched the first two episodes, and it's it's very it's very charming. It that, very much so. Is. That theme song, man, like it's so <laughs> <laughs> like it just. And I'm just like, I love the music in this. Um, it's a lot of fun. I love that. I dig the animation style. Um, yes, the cast is great. Uh, it's just I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It reminds me of. Like some of the shows, the cartoons when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, it definitely has that. It has that feel. It, it definitely has that feel. So, um, I'm actually gonna. I slow. I uh, I watched the first two episodes, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna slow roll on this one. I'm gonna like watch an episode when whenever I have like you know I want to I want a bright and cheery kind of film uh, show because it's yeah. so fun and positive and it's not fucking eight minutes long man like there's so many cartoons now that like are just designed for short attention spans and this like gives time to develop things you know characters relationships like i mean the whole show starts with these two girls who like seem determined to not like each other and become best friends like it's it's really it's a very well written show and uh yeah i i'm i'm hoping it's getting the audience it needs because we need more shows like that so absolutely absolutely i couldn't agree more it's such a charming nice nice show like, like it's not a mean show. Like, like it, which is kind of funny because, like, you know, oftentimes kids shows kind of have a tendency to be mean sometimes, um, or to say the wrong things. And this one says the right things, and so I'm totally for that. Um, it's really a great end, I feel like. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, um, we're gonna reach this, Logan. Uh, go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com, which has been a little slow the last few weeks, but I've been on vacation and I've been uh, traveling a lot. So, And Jess is going on vacation next week, so pod lasts us oh, off okay. for, for about three weeks probably. Um, and uh, uh, so... Yeah, right now it's mostly just me and Adam talking, but um, there'll be some Star Wars stuff uh, soon once my co-hosts there get their schedules in order. One of them got a new job, so it, it has wrecked our, huh? our 
recording schedule. Um, and of course, I'm doing a little bit of writing, which Pulp Fiction piece coming into your inbox today. Oh, so, yes. Okay, uh, then that actually gives me an excuse to rewatch it. It's been about 10 years since I've rewatched it, so we'll find out how troubling it is now. You shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> face. <laughs> oh, damn. You shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? <laughs> you must have hit a bump or something. <laughs> that's one of the it's that's one of the best scenes in the movie, I think. Um anyway, yeah, that'll be up on Adam's website uh in the next week or two weeks. Um Yeah. Actually, I'll try to get it up this week. Um, which kind of leads us right into um the movieisle.com and uh, you know, uh Logan stuff. Um uh, we're, uh, I definitely have gotten like a bunch of uh, home video reviews up recently. I've uh, got some more stuff coming down the pipeline, including a couple of movies that I'm seeing fairly soon. Um, all like kind of indie stuff. Uh, um, nothing, nothing like major, like I don't have any major screenings coming up because I mean, like, let's be honest, like, I think that April's kind of dire, isn't it? Like, there's yeah, nothing. we've got Mario. Um, oh, that's true, Mario. Beginning of April, and I feel like things don't kick into high gear until May. The, yeah, uh, May 3rd. Dun with, Dungeons and uh, Dragons uh, and Mario are, are about yeah. April, I think. So. Yeah. Well, everybody's TV's winding. Yeah, TV's winding down. So. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be Mandalorian and Ted Lasso will be really my only TV watching for a while, I think. I know Succession is back and everybody's fucking excited, but I don't watch that show, so, yeah. you know. Why, why do I want to watch a show that's trying to give empathy to billionaires when fucking people do that shit on social media all the time? Fuck yeah. that. Fuck billionaires. Eat the rich. Uh, um, so, no, I'm not going to see it no matter how well written it is. And I used to love Brian Cox, but, like, the more yes. I've seen of Brian Cox, I'm like, this dude's an asshole. <laughs> I don't really want to watch He's anything with him. He's <laughs> super troubling. He's super troubling outside now. Like, just talking shit about everybody. <laughs> fucking... Wow, man. I mean, like, you know, becoming... He criticizes uh, becoming... method acting, and I'm just like, yeah, you're right. It is kind of douchey. And then he does something, and I'm like, but you're douchey in real life, so I don't know what the fuck to tell you, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. No, that's true. We do have the Mario movie, and then, like I said, after that, it's Guardians. Um, who knows? Maybe, hopefully, we'll get some kind of premiere date in May for Loki uh, Season 2, even though yeah. everything's been shifted. Yeah, a lot of shakeup at Disney. So we we probably yeah. we might have a clearer picture of all of that next week because it's pretty fucking messy right now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is uh, really messy. I mean, we didn't even talk about that. Which, well, you know, I think we should we can wait. I mean, like that's a whole. Other it's an un, it's an unclear yeah it's an unclear picture, man. Like I, Spencer was texting me about it too. Um, I was like, I don't. Like, who's the bad guy here? They're all the bad guy? Like, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, because it doesn't feel like anybody's really the good guy. <laughs> like, they no. all seem like assholes in this situation. Like, she did something she shouldn't have done, was told not to do, did it anyway, kept doing it anyway. But, like, it also doesn't seem like it should be that big of a problem. But, hey, the VFX artists all say she's a fucking shitty person to work for. Like, I don't yeah. know, man. Like, they're all bad guys. 
Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, it's like, like, um, I will say this much and I'll leave it at that because this, this is like, at least my, my statement, which is this, is that far too many people put confidence in a corporation when they're a fucking corporation. Yeah. Marvel, just because they made you fucking cry at the end of Endgame because of some That's... like long shot mourning, mourning the death of a billionaire still doesn't the fucking mean. Exactly. They're still a business. They're still going to cheap out on people, people that worked a lot harder than they fucking did to make this movie happen. So, you know, fandom, get your head out of your ass and support yeah. creatives because mega producers, no matter how much AI GP chat does, will never replace a true creative people like the Daniels, people like um, the Russo brothers, even though I, I would fucking say the Russo brothers are probably part of the fucking issue. Yeah, and and uh, both sets of those people, uh, one just got out of that Disney corporate machine, and one it seems mm-hmm. like he stepped into that Disney corporate machine. So yep. But, well, oh, okay, so you heard okay, like you heard about this, right? Because somebody, had, our friend Scott, talked about this with me. Was super upset that the Dan. Okay, so funniest part is, is that. He was upset that the Daniels won everything, but then now he's also upset because the Daniels are now working for Disney. And I had to, of course, correct him and say, John Watts did them a solid, like they explained it, that they're doing the episode. The Daniels are doing the episode yep. of uh, Watts's film, uh, Watts's show, because he was doing them a solid because they go back, back in the day and the Daniels needed medical for their kids and they made more money. On that fucking one episode that they directed, that they didn't do anything else but just direct and got healthcare for two years, and they had the entirety of the time that they were making everything everywhere and all at once. Like that's how you navigate. And he was like, Oh, I was like, gotta read the articles, man. Can't read the bylines and be upset about something. Yeah, I was like, like, gotta oh, read the articles. They're, they're going, they're going to make Star Wars, and then you read it, and it's just like they're making an episode of a TV. I was, it's like being upset at Bryce Dallas Howard for directing episodes of The Mandalorian. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. She wants to be a working director, man. These are the gigs she can get right now. And also, she's she's doing solids for the people that did solids for her. So exactly, you know, and I, and she's getting paid. Like that's yeah. the whole thing that people don't understand is that. They still got to make a living, man. They still got to pay the rent. They still got bills they got to cover. They still need, like, they still need their insurance. Like, they're they're in a guild, man. Like, you got to pay those dues. And, like, there's just so much shit you have to deal with. Um, So, I don't don't begrudge them, like, any of that. Like, yeah, it would be great if coming off of those huge... (laughs) Like that huge Oscar wins, like so fucking awesome. They're like, and our next project is going to be this amazing original thing. But it's just like studios also don't make original things. It was a sheer act of fucking will that everything, everywhere, all at once even exists. And like, you know, it's basically like asking a woman to to give birth over and over and over and over and over and over again. When, when 
her like when it's a specifically a troubling birthing process like it took so much to get that movie done and it is such a singular thing that like yeah man like you got to give them time and part of that time is like they still have to be working directors so they're gonna go make some star wars episodes it's fine (laughs) so seriously like and you want guys like him like the daniels and isaac chung to be in to be in the star wars universe why because they because like uh, because like bryce dallas howard they make the they make the they make the episodes beefier, meatier, and like more meaningful. You know, you work in a corporate world. I know almost all yeah. the time. It's who you know. It's not how good at your job you are. You just got to nope. be competent. You don't have to be great. You just got to yep. be competent. And it's who you know. It's that people like you. And if the fucking people in the suits that write the checks see the Daniels work or meet the Daniels or whatever. And they're like, I like these guys. Then they can get a chance to do other things, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. And with that, I think that like, that's a great yeah. place to stop. Right. I mean, like, I mean, we, we've covered the bases and, uh, yeah, you know, three, three weeks or two and a half weeks worth of <laughs> catching up. So, um, <laughs> we'll be back next week. Um, so uh, talking about God knows what, because uh, I don't know what I'm going to get a chance to watch between now and then. But uh, <laughs> go rate and review the podcast uh, on iTunes or wherever you get it, because I'm this weekend. I'm in the process of making sure all the podcasts are available and all the platforms because I recommended oh, nice. them to a few people who don't have Apple. And I was like, oh, shit, I thought I covered those bases. Apparently did not cover them for all the podcasts. So. Uh, okay. Hopefully, except for maybe Spotify. <laughs> Spotify is <trouble. laughs> so. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, wherever you get us, go rate and review us. Xwingfiles.com, themovieowl.com, uh, and we'll be back next week. Talk to you guys then.